0: The Grappling Hour is brought to you by No Gi BJJ Gear. Use the promotional code Grappling Hour 15 to save 15% off of whatever you put in your cart. And Dodgy Collected. Dodgy Collected. Creating jiu-jitsu gear for those who love to train after a hard day's work and for those who live the jiu-jitsu lifestyle from their mom's couch. That's actually what it says. I'm, I'm reading it verbatim. Anyway, go buy from them. What is up, Grappling fans? It is your friendly neighborhood BJJ podcaster, Rafa Sparza, coming to you with another great installment of Grappling Hour. We have a very, very loaded episode for you. I cannot say that enough, so we'll get to our guests in a second. Later in the hour, probably about an hour plus or so, you'll be hearing from our good friend Gary Tonin. That's right, the jitsu has been, who had to run to MMA. Of course, before then, we have two incredible young talents, but I got to do the plugs before I talk to them as they stare off in the distance and I have to say this about them this is how smart you know they are before we started this they checked their phone battery and made sure to hydrate themselves so they've already scored high remarks from this old and bitter host who has seen many a guest screw this up anyway Let's get back to business. First and foremost, give some love to our sponsors over at Nogi BJJ Gear. Use the promotional code Grappling Hour 15 to save what's that 15% off of whatever you put in your cart. You can also, if you're feeling like you, you want to have like a little bit of a, you know, like you want to shave a little bit of the area and you don't know what to do, use Manscaped. Use the promotional code VerbalTap20. Listen, guys, it's the holiday. No reason to just be sloppy. We all understand we're going to be getting fat. Why look even worse? All right. One last note to our good friends over at dodgycollective.com. Yes, of course, dodgycollective.com has a great rash guard, a great spat, and a great short collection. I highly encourage you to go there, but look at their artwork. It's some of the best. I guarantee you, you'll love it. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you, not me. All right, our guest here today. I don't know how to put into words how incredible both of these young talents are in jiu-jitsu. I have said this in the past about both of them. I feel like the future of jiu-jitsu is both safe and very much in danger with talents like these young kids. They have been grappling since, essentially, they could probably walk at this point. But we have seen them go through incredible highs, incredible journeys thus far in, and they're both... Still super young. We brought them on today because, of course, last week, uh, Cade Rotolo was able to win the combat jiu-jitsu and made huge, huge airwaves with the help of his brother, coaching him on the side. These two are a tandem pair, and when they said they were both going to do the interview, I'm going to admit I got pretty stoked because, you know, I mean, I want to get to know both of these guys. I've seen them compete, and it's going to be fine and fun to finally get to chat with them. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show for the very first time, Cade, and Ty Rutolo. Gents, how are you doing here today? Oh, one second. I think you guys are muted. That was my fault. Gents, let's try oh. that again. Nope, it's me. How go. are you guys doing? Don't
1: worry. I was saying, doing, doing great. Doing good, Thank man. you so much for having us on and, and all the kind words I was at. Appreciate, Appreciate it.
0: it well, it's weird because I don't really... I've never really gone up and, and chatted with you guys, but I've clearly been... At events where you've competed, I've clearly been mouth agape looking like, oh my God, that's incredible with what they're doing. And for me, I just want to understand more about you guys as a tandem. So when they say that combat jujitsu is coming up, at what point do the both of you go, yep, that's what something one of us is going to do and the other is going to coach?
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, please. <laughs> well, combat the first approached me to do it for the 155 division. Yeah. And and at the time, I was like a little bit overweight, I had like a little belly. I was like 170, <laughs> if not even like a little bit, a couple pounds heavier. So then I was kind of like, I don't know if I want to cut the weight. Maybe I'll have like a heavier fight after that. So then they approached Cade. And then Kate uh, was like, Yeah, I'm down. And I feel like Cade would want wanted to do it more, anyways, because, you know, I mean, I, I'm super down to do combat too, but Kate is just, he's, he's a fighter. He kind of likes that kind of stuff. So then, uh, you know, they said the Kato's in. We started to kind of training. We only we didn't get to train much together for it though because it was, it was kind of, of crazy coincidences. Like we both right, thought... like three crazy coincidences. <laughs> like we didn't even get to train much. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, no, it turned, it turned out going for the best. Yeah, I'm saying like uh, about like what was it three, maybe three, three and a half weeks before uh, the tournament. Uh, my brothers and I got a little scuffle and he like cut his eye pretty gnarly like straight i don't know if you can see it. yeah he's got a he little eye. scar on his eyebrow Ramp. right there but uh it's minor <laughs> it was minor but yeah he got a little cut there so it took like you know over a week to heal so we couldn't train then and then he just i was in the jacuzzi for like 30 plus minutes something stupid and then went into the shower and then literally like fainted and like got a little cut on my nose <laughs> so I what the hell so happened there? It was, it was the craziest coincidence you ever you've ever, you ever seen. Just instant karma, pretty much. Yeah, for, yeah. He got me. He got me a couple of weeks earlier. So yeah, I definitely wasn't uh, super sad when I seen him with the little
0: cut, <laughs> on, <a laughs> cut on his nose. Okay. Well, you guys are taking this well more in stride than I would. With I think even my sibling, So I would say compliments <laughs> to both of you on that. Um, so as a result of that, because you mentioned there were three circumstances there, that sounds like two. Was there another circumstance that then came into play here?
1: Uh, well, I got we, I got sick like before, like a couple nights before. Yeah, so like it was like, I got she sick got twice. like yeah. sick for like a week and a half or something like that. Then his cut happened yeah. and then as soon as he kind of came back and he could start training again, then I kind of got my cut. So then I had to stop training. So it was just kind of like, we <laughs> <I laughs> really get to
0: do this.
1: Yeah, that was, yeah. But that was we awesome. got like one or two rounds of this classic.
0: That's insane. I mean, I guess that's kind of weird because for most people, they might be lucky to get in a couple rounds with certain training partners, but you guys are notorious for training all the time together. You have your own garage setup where you can go, which is great, I'm sure, during COVID, so congrats to you guys for that. I do want to address one thing here, which is that Ty was able, and I I wouldn't say this about you, Ty, but you said it about yourself, which is you recognized, oh, man, I might be a little heavy about this. You know what, Cade? I'm gonna eat a little bit. You gotta go do this one, man. So you take this one because I'm just I'm feeling a little like I like these tacos a little bit too much. Exactly.
1: Pretty much. Ever since ADCC that ADCC cut, I can just like, I go through like phases. Like, okay, this week I'm gonna I'm gonna be heavy this week. I can tell. <laughs> <Sorry to laughs> <be kidding you. laughs> yeah. I think after after such a big weight cut like that, like mentally, your your mindset changes and just and. In the way where you, you just eat such large amounts of food and st- you know still be hungry. Like, like, he's, he's, like you gotta tell him, like some of the stuff I've like chowed down is like it's just ridiculous. In this absolutely, place. yeah, I'm Well, <laughs> see, I
0: can't I can't live up to your jiu jitsu, but I can maybe live up to some of your eating. So I'm curious. <laughs> when you say you're putting away food, you got to be descriptive to me because I love me some food. So what are we looking at here, man?
1: It's funny. I remember like we at this restaurant. I think this is after 80s, yeah, sometime after 80s, you see, but it's just, right, right after, like, you no, know, I was, I was super hungry, and I had gotten a breakfast burrito, a breakfast it's like sandwich. the next morning, right? Yeah, it was, like, one of the next mornings, like, I got, right. from, like, a breakfast burrito, a breakfast sandwich, I had, like, these breakfast nachos, and then I finished the other half of my dad's it breakfast burrito. was, like, the cheese and cheese, right? Yeah, <laughs> and I remember, I, I had, like, four different meals. I had, breakfast. like, four different meals, and then I, I went to, it was I had, like, a little hour break, and I went to, like, the dentist or whatever, and then... I remember we went to Juice It Up. And right before the Juice Up, there was a donut store next door. So I, went, I got some donuts and then I got a large acai bowl. And I just sat on the couch and I was just like, oh, I can't even move. And I had a little bucket and then like I'd eat more and then like puke in the bucket. And then like I'd eat more and then puke. I-, I got from like 145 to like almost like 185, like, like within like a week.
0: <laughs> we should address Biggest some idea. of this here because there is a famous video of you. I believe it's when you had a match with Canuto where the rash guard comes off, you take two seconds, and it looks pretty normal, and then you just heave. And I think to myself, I've never rolled that hard. I don't know what that feels like. So to see you do it and going, he's young, he's supposed to eat this for just like it's nothing, and yet now I'm starting to understand you're putting so much in there that you're literally about to blowfish, pump it back out. So... Is that how that happened? Because I never knew the background behind that story. I just thought you you were so yeah. in the moment and, and, and so much was going in there and that's a high paced person to go with. Was that part of it? I mean, I've rolled with Canuto and it is not fun for me.
1: No, yeah, No, it's not fun to roll with Canuto. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. he's, he's so, like, and he's just the type of match too where just like throughout the whole match, you know? You, you, like for like for me my mindset is always i try to like break people and get them more tired than me you know but with know mm-hmm. it was constantly a battle of like okay someone's gonna break here like was, like <laughs> you know we're both getting tired you know and uh and yeah that match was crazy and i, I don't even think that it was so much that i ate a bunch before that match i was just like really pushing myself yeah you and... we were we were you know eating before matches We kind of have like some superstitions for the most part you know like not to you know eat super bad and you know certain things like that but uh but yeah, I think that one was just definitely a super hard scrap, you know. Yeah. Especially with the competition, sometimes the lactic acid hits, you know, and then you know. Compt- it's different. <laughs> like I can train really hard and train. Like I trained, I think I've thrown up like once in training. Yeah. You know? yeah. Mm-hmm. But like I've like thrown up like after a few different matches competing. It's a different type of you know. You got the adrenaline and there's all these different emotions coming and then all these That's different variables. I don't know. Like, it's funny. I, like right after the match ended with Canudo I won, and I felt it in my stomach. I'm like, oh, well, I'm gonna have to puke. So like, I just made my way smoothly to, you know, tried to like, you know, not let anyone know. <laughs> On my way there, I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, looked into my mouth. I had to like borrow a couple different buckets. And so it was
0: funny. Did you get any weird mess from that? Because when I see those videos, I always think like, listen, you guys are beloved. People really like you both. You have a weird pass through a number of different people who all don't like each other, but they all like you. <laughs> and I don't know if sometimes you pick that up, but I'm always like, I could see you guys with Gordon Ryan chilling there and i am be like, okay, well, cool. And then obviously Galvo is there. So you always are kind of those weird kids that can be a, like, get away with like, oh, well, they, you know, we're cool. Like we're, we're good. Great <laughs> yeah.
1: no, sure pretty... to point that out actually, No, for sure. It's funny, yeah. funny to hear, but yeah, for sure. I'm the, I think we're pretty neutral, you know, for, for the most part, as far as, you know, feelings go.
2: Treat people how uh, like you want to
1: be treated, and you know you don't got a problem, right? right? And then that's kind of how it should go. I feel like
0: it you know? makes sense. And again, I always tell people our sport is filled with so many uh, things that happened before so many of us entered it, so that people sometimes have bad blood. And sometimes I tell them, I'm like, why? Why do we not like each other? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, like, his great-great-grandfather in jiu-jitsu didn't like my great-grandfather. And I'm like, well, what did our great-great-grandfather do to them? They're like, that's not important. I go, "Uh, I'm just, listen, dude, I'm just trying to be a friendly host here, so I don't need any of that bad energy in my side. All right, so let's talk a little bit back on the jiu-jitsu side for combat jiu-jitsu obviously i know that you guys live out in huntington and i know that surf culture is a huge part of it so the locale couldn't have been bad were you taking any time off to maybe use the beaches like what were you guys doing and like how long were you out there in mexico for this particular event
1: All right, so we were we were pretty much in and out of there uh this trip super quick unfortunately in. yeah unfortunately it's super beautiful there we would have we would have loved this thing and, and you know spend more time but uh yeah, we, we just booked the ch- the tickets for just basically what we flew in the day before. Uh, you know, kind of, I think, midday, relaxed the rest of the day, competed the next day, and then we were out the next morning, you know. So we didn't have a whole lot of time to, to you know, cruise and hang around, but that uh, was beautiful for sure. I had one of the best tacos of my life. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, now you need to tell me where you had it.
1: Yeah, yeah right, right, right. Do you remember the name of the spot? Right yeah. across the street from the Hilton, uh, next to the airport. So, like, <laughs> uh, fifteen minutes. I forget the, the name of the spot, but uh, it was lovely. Yeah. It was funny. You know, this guy, he was, he was like not cutting weight, but he was like watching his weight and then maintaining. Like, yeah, then he, I think he stepped on the scale a couple of like it was the day before, and like, oh no way, I'm under like two pounds. So he goes, we go straight to the Mexican place. He gets like a big burrito with like rice and beans. And I'm like, whoa, bro, like watch out, dude. <laughs> At this point, I knew it was just the weight of the food though. So it's like, as long as I don't eat two pounds of food, I'm good.
0: You know? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, there's nothing worse than that scale. When you get to that week, it's just oh, the way it messes with you, man. Like absolutely. it, it oh. you'll like look around, you'll have water and you'll go, that was water. I'm supposed to have that come yeah, on scale like, like yeah. don't be mean I scale that. i need you to work in my favor man
1: exactly That's funny. i remember like two weeks before ACC, i was thinking about like doing because i had just done like a crazy diet to lose all the weight and then i was thinking like oh maybe i got to do like a little bit of the water loading thing so i started drinking a bunch of water i gained like about like eight pounds of water and I step on the scales and I just scared myself so bad. I'm just like, oh my god! <laughs> so then I just stopped drinking water again. And I just like, started running with the water. I was just like, yeah, man, the water loading is scary for sure. Man. Yeah, Absolutely. You don't, don't have to cut too much weight. I don't like, We don't have to cut weight. Though,
0: for sure. I mean, I think you're still at the age where you can do it a little bit. Um, I highly advise people who are close to me that cutting weight for jiu-jitsu doesn't make sense. I don't love it for MMA, but I, I do understand some of the advantages of it. The right. advantages for jiu-jitsu seem very, very elusive. Like they seem like they're going to be great. And then you see the toll it takes on their body. And I go, how much is that taking away from more rounds that you're doing or or more capabilities that you have? Or even sometimes I'm like, yo, this person used to be really flexible and now I see them not going for that flexibility because they've been jumping through the weight classes. So even the Sorry. weirdest things that I go, I wouldn't think of that because I'm like, when people would ever look at me, I go, I'm not moving at all. This is this is exactly as fat as I'm going to be, and I will <laughs> fluctuate between these fats. Um, <laughs> let's go to talking about the actual competition itself. I do want to address, of course, the actual buzzable moment that we're going to talk about, but first I'd like to get your impressions of coming into this tournament. So I need to be reminded here because sometimes I forget. Was this the first time you had done a combat jiu-jitsu match?
1: It was, yeah, it was the, the first combat I'd ever done for sure.
0: So in the build up to that, this also meant it was your first time prepping for that sort of a thing. How, if at all, did that differentiate from what your usual training looked like?
1: For sure. Um, well, basically, uh, you know, of course, trying to—it's kind of hard to, you know, add a just kind of train the strikes and stuff because you know not everyone's down to you know for the for the slaps <laughs> and the, you know, the, the strikes <laughs> for sure. But uh, I had a good group of friends that that would train with me. You know, uh, I, you know, Homie Callan, Jonathan, a few a few of my teammates that were down to to trade with me, Adam, you know, and, and kind of brush up with the, the slaps, uh, different drills and stuff too, just from on top. And uh, I think mostly it was just, you know, physically getting ready, my, you know, mentally, uh, just trying to make sure my, my Jiu-Jitsu was clean. And I just kind of knew, it was, I think the, the point of difference, like or like the, the path to success for like that sort of rule set, which just kind of makes, not over commit to the strikes, but just kind of to mix it up so where I can kind of throw a few, and then get him to flinch, and then you know use it to pass or or advance an opportunity like that. So uh, yeah. So leading up to the competition, you know, I had a few uh, teammates that were down for the slaps, and and you know just training at Atos every day. You know, the, the Nogi Noogie Gom class. You know, the best, pretty much the best gym in the world. So you know, with uh with that, you know, being said, I was just I was pretty much the the training.
0: Obviously, there's a confidence in your jiu-jitsu game because you've been doing it forever, so a lot of it is almost second nature, and I think it's part gift and part obsession with the the work rate that you guys do, like the, the amount of training that you do. I think it's a little bit of both because I do want to compliment you in saying when I see you do things and it comes instinctually and there's a real craft to the way you both approach it, I say, no, I mean... That comes from time and building and reps, obviously, with Galvo, who does love him some drills. But the actual way in which you can see in real time how you render. Even when years ago I saw you guys and the criticism was, oh, okay, take out their legs. Didn't take long for you guys to then start going after other people's legs. And I go, oh, no, it's like the moment in Jurassic Park (laughs) When the dinosaurs start talking to each other, and you go, Oh no, we had one weakness, now we have none. So, it's pretty dope to see the evolution of your game. Um, I do want to ask you both, I don't know, exactly how old are you again?
1: 17.
0: Okay, so we are in a weird gray area of getting grown adults to agree... To slap children, which may in some areas constitute child abuse. So how <laughs> does that conversation go with your teammates, where you go, "Hey, bro, I know we train it together all the time, and I know you know we're all savages here, but um, I'm gonna need you to slap me and keep me honest here."
1: Yeah. For sure, yeah. You know, I think uh, you know, my, my my teammates are the coolest, to be honest. You know, I think you know, and I us like whenever someone. We could be in like a full Nogi camp, you know, for, for like say for example, Nogi Pans, uh, you know, just recently happened. And uh, you know, the entire gym was training Nogi. But I think it was uh it was Professor Lucas, right, Pineta, Or Gustavo Batista and Lucas Pineta both had gi fights. You know, so you know, the whole team would train Nogi and then there'd be a handful of guys to go train gi with them, even though if there was a nogi competition, you know, or some guys would throw on a gi each round. So, you know, whichever rule set there is, you know, there's always teammates willing to to, to adapt and train with you for that. You That's know? the thing so. about atos it really is a team, you know? It's just like, if you got to fight, you're not going in that alone, you know? You're going in with the whole team behind you. For sure, for sure. So, always getting uh, getting help and preparation, you know? So. Regardless of, of the rule set, you know, so gi, no gi, and combat, you know, so some of them were like a little bit like they didn't want to do it as much, but purely because it just like for some for some people it wasn't as fun, you know, It's, it's, it's not as fun, you know, it's, it's, yeah. you know, there's slaps it was, in a way, it is for sure though, it's for the for the person winning. Of yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I will tell you, I famously had a friend who was getting ready for a combat jujitsu match, and um, this guy, he's a black belt, he's very good. He runs through his team. And, you know, he's just like, well, I'm not really going to hit him. You know, I'm just going to kind of grapple with them. And they were all kind of lower belts. And I happened to be there, and he was like, hey, are you training? I was like, I, I'm working on something right now, but you guys are welcome to use the mats. I'll take care of you guys. I see him run through all these guys, and I go, dude, that's not good training for him. All these guys are just, that's that's not good. They're just getting wasted. So I come in, and I go, hey, man, I got some stuff. I'll, I'll come and roll with you. I'm notoriously uh, very defense-heavy. <laughs> So there's usually a way that I can make my defense turn into offense. With really good practitioners, it is difficult to make happen. With him, he got so frustrated at some point, he started slapping me. And I ended up getting volunteered to help him with his combat jujitsu jitsu match. And at which point, you right. find that you have a fight-or-flight response. And even Absolutely. while the dude was mounted on me and slaps me down, my first response was to palm strike him back. And I was like, what the... What was that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and I told him, I just, like, he looked at me like... I didn't think you would do anything. I wasn't sure what would happen. I was like, why would you do... I didn't say I was in this. And then all of a sudden I was in it. So I just told people, I go, you know, it serves a point. It's terrible for my game, I'm sure. But it is important if you really want to love and do jiu-jitsu in all forms to be aware of that strategic weakness of our sport, especially in sub-only where you can let people dominate you, and it just doesn't look good from a full fighting perspective. So that was something that I I feel is is very good for you guys to watch. Talk me through your day because when you see the list of people there, I'm sure you have your ideas of who you're probably going to be facing and you're looking around and you're kind of strategizing. Um, How much of that becomes, between the two of you, something that you guys are strategizing or is it just now to the point where you've prepped so much, you just go out there and perform.
1: Yeah. there's always some strategizing. Yeah. So. There's always some strategizing, but, uh, I, I don't think I even looked at the brackets until like the, the morning of or something. Right. Sure. Yeah. So I don't think they released the brackets. till like the morning of, so I didn't really know who, who I was fighting first, second, third, and, you know, and, and for the, you know, possibly for the fourth. So, uh, I was just trying to you know just keep my mind sharp and just kind of just stay calm and, you and know. those types of divisions you know you can't sound like a super fight, where you can just focus on one person you know so obviously like you kind of got to come into that with a different type of mentality of just being the best version of yourself that you can be and then once the division started kind of getting into the motion we you kind of see who was gonna, who was gonna fight next you know who started winning and and then that's when i'll take him aside i'm gonna, I don't know if you've seen the clip, but uh, there's like, like a lot of times before our matches will just be like me kind of like whispering in his ear with our hoodies on. And then, you know I'm saying? this little things like, okay, so look, uh, this guy's got good wrestling. So you get on his head, you know, there's like, kind of we just go over like the routes of winning, like the easiest ways. And, and, uh, and then you go out there. I feel yeah, like yeah. that's kind of like the, what strategizing we do with For sure. That, and that always helps so much. Right? Those little, those little add-ons, you know, this, you know, no one better than like Ty, and, and you know, and, Professor wasn't there for this one, but usually professors are there. And it's a, always to get those those last little bits of advice before I go out there. It's just so reassuring, and you know, so so good for just just the confidence levels. You know, for every time I have those little talks with them beforehand, uh, I just feel so much more calm when I go out there. You know, because then I just it's like a little reminder. You know, so he'll he'll pitch those little ideas to me. Like for example, I think it was before my uh, Jordan Holly match. It was my third match, and and you know, he, he was he was like. He's just very, the way Ty like he will be like, bro, let's let's go over this. She's like, there's there's no way this guy can beat you, you know. And he's (laughs) so convincing when he talks to you that you're like, you just start believing it. You're just like, yeah, you're right, bro. He's like, he's like, wrestling's better if you get on top, you know. You and just like it's just it's it's very like reassuring for you know mentally. So, it's it's really good to have.
0: I mean, I I have to be fully forthcoming on our fight companion. I said okay. Jordan is going to have certain strategic advantages that if he can put it in his game, good. And then I saw him shoot in and I go, that's not one of them, at least in this case. (laughs) I
1: was was pretty powerful too. He he, he shot, I wasn't expecting that for sure.
0: And I mean, I know I've rolled with him, he's a beast too, but I just knew that played into your game a little bit better. And I thought that not only did you read it well, but you had an answer for it very quickly, so I, I have to compliment you on that. Um, but I also have to tell you, if you look at the tape, I'm pretty sure I said, I was like, I don't know, I think Jordan might have, oh, no, okay, proved me wrong. Okay, I'm an idiot. Uh, because I just thought, dude, he might try to make this a very, very kind of like sweep underneath you and go from there. But I think there was something about the way you approached it. I do want to get into more of the a little bit of match-by-match, match, but I like you talking about Jordan. I do want to get into the idea of what was the first impulse after the first strike hit your face.
1: Well, you know, what's crazy is I didn't really get hit the the entire event, uh, that was actually one thing I was working a lot. Actually, I was going to MMA class a few times a week and I think that helped mm. a lot uh, over an arena in San Diego. And I, and I think that helped a lot to basically Jiu Jitsu with, uh, with, with ground strikes, you know, and so just, I was getting used to, you know, over arm wraps, over, when I'm on bottom, arm ties, breaking the posture. When they do posture up and start striking, just inversions to get out of there quickly. And uh, so even when I was on bottom, like, I don't think I really took like one, like, you know, significant stripes. So I was really yeah, thankful to, to come out, you know, not unscathed. Yeah, I'm unscathed, but for sure I was, I was expecting like, I, you know, I wasn't gonna put it past anyone, you know, to to throw to throw some slaps, so. But I was I was stoked. I think uh, given given like the rule set, like I I was kind of like in my mind. My mom was super nervous before before the match too because I don't even think she realized that there was palm strikes till the morning of uh, in the in the lobby, right? So she was she thought it was just kind of like slaps, and she's like, oh, okay, that's fine. But. Uh, but then she realized there was, just like, palm strikes and stuff. And she was, like, super nervous. And I was, like, ah. She's, like, what if they get your nose
0: and it gets into your brain? I'm, like, shit. Sure.
1: I'm, like, don't worry, mom. It's, like, I'm not even going to get hit. I promise you. I promise you. And then, no. So it ended up working out.
0: Well, I'm glad you were able to fulfill your mom's promise. I think anybody who <laughs> yeah. does practice jiu-jitsu, and you find this even with a number of MMA guys that I've interviewed over the years, would they still say, like, yeah, my parents don't come. And then you juxtapose that from the parents who are ride and dies who show up and go, yo, I didn't know that my librarian mom would get lit and yell at people that she's into it. I just know that for your family, it's a little bit different in that they know the sport. So they know jujitsu. And so there's a safety in that of saying like, if he's ever in danger, he'll tap. You know, and obviously, right. you both have taken injuries over the years, but you've kind of managed and, and mitigated through that. And they they kind of understand that. Having to take time off to get a palm strike to the nose is like, mm, what are we doing here? So. I don't know how you kept that from her or maybe just didn't fully explain that, but being like, oh yeah, mom, this has completely been the whole way. You signed off. Yeah. We're good. I'm not going to get hit though. Don't even worry about that.
1: Don't even worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, I tried to, I just like, I think well I was like, mom, I've been training MMA like twice a week and, and it's not, it hasn't been anything crazy, you know, it's just, like the ground transitions and, you know, uh, with, with strikes and stuff, but uh, gloves, of course, and stuff like that. But, uh, I think that kind of helped her out. She's like, oh, okay, okay. But still, like, she was just <laughs> nervous. She was super nervous. You know, a good,
0: a good family member will. So it for is sure. It is with good reason. And listen, again, the fact that you have a mom who understands the sport, has seen you compete forever, she's not coming into this blind. A number of other parents would be like, you guys do what? And fold each other with pajamas? And how does that work? She knows. It's just, you know, sure. this is different. It's funny.
1: Yeah. She's it's veteran. funny, too, because she's... She's obviously watched her whole lives in jiu-jitsu, you know, growing up and, like, from ages, like, whatever, three to now. Fourteen plus years of training. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so, and she's kind of, and she's, she does jiu-jitsu a little bit, too, but she's gone through, like, her fair share of injuries, so she hasn't been able to, like, consistently mm. train. So she's still a white belt. But it's funny because she knows so many techniques, you know? Like, <laughs> if you put her in a gi, she could do, like, barambolos and like, with twister <laughs> hooks and, like like, all different types of setups, like, it's so funny, like, she knows so, it's from watching, you know, over the years, she never, like, committed, though, you know, so, yeah, it's It's funny.
0: I mean, I definitely, over the years, have uh, had people even look at me and go, like, hey, ref, how does a beer and bolo work, and I was like, not here, go somewhere else, They're like, you've been around this for a long time. I go, no, 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 that's not what I do. That's that's a someone else game. So it is a a very particular skill set to be able to do those sorts of things. And I still think it's so dope that you have a whole family that is immersed within it. You know, I don't have that in my life in terms of that. I have a sister who photographs with me. And she, one time after photographing, maybe two years in, she's always liked it. But I remember she looked at me and she said, I get why this means this much to you. And I realized, oh, okay, cool. You you get why we train it, we live it, we cover it, we interview. And to me, that meant something. But for you guys to have it as like your family is just a way of life and maybe you don't know it any other way, just know how dope it is. And, and really, really understand that is a very unique and beautiful thing. So having said that, though, I'm very sorry, Mrs. Rotolo, that that was an issue. i just i'm glad you made it through and clearly the young man turned out okay i do want to go back and and walk me through you know obviously you get a knee bar to start the day so when that knee bar happens how did you set that up and how were you able to fully pull that off
1: right so if i I remember correctly um i hit kind of like that overhook wizard takedown uh called the money vela. And then, uh, oh, yeah, the vicious th- That was mean. Yeah, from the way you did it too it's mean. Like, you one, yeah, well, <laughs> I was trying to get the sub off it, you know? Yeah, then, like, just... I was like, he wasn't tapping. So, like, I kept going, you know? Yeah. Of course, he didn't So, no, no, no. But, uh, yeah, I got the takedown off the start. Uh, I think I fell back on the heel. which was just kind of passing on top. And then, uh, I think the, the knee bar entry came from when I, like, you're threatening a lot of strikes. Yeah, so. yeah, I was threatening a lot of strikes. And then uh, I kind of, like, stepped off with the body. So, like I kind of came to the side and just kind of stepped. It was almost like a an extended north-south position, you know? So like, mm-hmm. not north-south completely smashed, but like, with just space in between us. And obviously they're gonna bring their legs up right to try and defend. And once he brought those legs up uh, to defend, I think I just kind of, I grabbed the first one I saw and I just kind of jumped on it from there, you know? And then, uh and, and I finished that first knee bar and that's how I finished it. <laughs>
0: That's got to be a good feeling, and obviously, it gets you started on a very good day thus far. In we go to the second match, you do go to overtime. What does that feel like as you are going through it? Because, again, you know, obviously, it is a different sort of vibe because, you know, nobody really loves EBI overtime because it is grueling, but it is a way of life,
1: right? And, and I remember, a couple, like, leading up to the event, uh, I was just mentally like that was pretty much the one thing that kept running through my mind before the event was i feel like the only the only way that uh not not the only way of course but like the 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 main way that i saw like my only way i kind of saw saw myself losing was if i got into the overtime scenario and uh you know maybe someone you know got held on to the back longer you know whatever situation like that so i was really trying my hardest to like you know to get the matches done in the in the regulation um so what was the, the second match? match? Yeah, with uh, Danny Glazo, I think his name was. Yeah, that kid was a scrapper for sure. He was tough. Uh, yeah, I wasn't, like, in that match, I was feeling a little, like, like a little off. You know, I was trying to, like, you know, link the wrestling with the with everything. And uh, I remember we had a few scrambles and stuff. And I could I just couldn't find a, a good submission opportunity. He's doing a good job of defending uh, chokes. Every time I was kind of looking for, like, the, the head and arm or something, his hands were kind of interrupting and stuff. So... He was definitely pretty scrappy and stuff. But uh, I got him very tired in, in the regulation. I could see in the last mm-hmm. like two minutes, he was starting to break for sure. Just, just you know, starting to get more fatigued, more fatigued, and then, uh, so I knew once we were getting to the overtime, I, I didn't think he was going to have enough in him to, to really get a good squeeze and hold, and that was pretty much what happened. When you're tired and you gotta do the overtime, it's way worse, obviously. A lot worse, right. for sure. That, that was kind of like my only worries, you know, was like you know there's a lot of strong guys in the division you know pj nathan orchard you know guys like that where if they were to start on the back with fresh you know they may be able to you know stay there or squeeze for longer than than i could have you know so that was like the main worries uh leading up to the competition but in that second match i thank god that was the only one that made it to the to the overtime and then that second one he was he was so tired already i think leading into the overtime that you know it was it was you were a little off that match, like after I remember you threw up and then like you started to feel a lot better. Yeah, I, I, remember, I don't know if it was a lactic acid or whatever, so yeah, I, I like, after that one I kind of like, like you said, I was puked a little bit and then I felt like way better. It's and, funny how that happens, like I swear, I get, like almost, not every competition, but a lot of competitions, like you have like a tough fight and then like, oh, this, this, after, like, oh my god, I feel so just much better. So much better, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. None I mean, I guess that's going to be
0: something you both deal with for a little bit. Uh, you know, it's just it is wild to see it as a thing, but it shows how much you're putting out there. Like it does explain, you know, when you guys have such a high rate that you're working at, it, it does seem like at a certain point, even when you look like you're winning through a majority of it, it's still energy that you're still creating. And, and it's, it's a lot. What I would like to ask yeah, this is. Oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, yeah, I think, uh, like, just growing up too is like always. We we're always kind of finding stronger guys too, so it's always like taking a lot more energy to kind of cope with the strength, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and get around the strength, you know. So, I think that's uh, that's I mean, part part of the reason why we we're just like so fatigued after a lot, you know, a lot of the stronger <laughs> backups. You know, for sure.
0: I Not did so say the last I think, one, but,
1: like, you know, Vitor Lavier, and you know Hanato, both like super strong guys, and I think those were the both the last times we like kind of puked afterwards because it's hard dealing with the strength especially in the competition feeling with all the adrenaline and stuff and then feeling that strength is just like you know it's a lot to take in for sure but i
0: think i think i did say on the fight companion because somebody was asking they're like well you know there might be somebody big that's going to come at them you know just size wise kind of as you were mentioning there and i was like um galvo they're fine galvo. like <laughs> well, yeah, if, that's if that's you guys have other to other deal thing. with that i <laughs> think you're gonna be okay
1: for sure galvao kind of gets you know like <laughs> <laughs> top three guys we go to the gym training with every day, so, you know, definitely, like, the size, you know, doesn't intimidate too much,
0: you know. Absolutely. Ty, I want to like, go to you on this, because I didn't know until today that you were a hype rage machine captain over here, because I didn't know that you were able to hype him up so well. Is that usually what you do? Does he do it as well? Like, because I can see it a little bit more now that I'm privy to that information.
1: Yeah, it's, it'll, it's as twins. I feel like just growing up, everything together, we can obviously don't read each other's minds, but I can, I can know what he's thinking a lot. You know what I mean? So, like, like, just, by like, look just, it, by like just by like the looks, just th- by like the little, th- and I think there's like when people say like that twin telepathy, uh, telepathy, or telethi- you know, whatever that, that thing is, it's like I'm not necessarily sure if that's 100% true. I think it's just that, you know, when twins are g- like growing up so close together like you They're just on the just same, same the same play, yeah, yeah play same we yeah, wave yeah. like you know it's the same mindset like growing up like same thought process so even like so before the match if there's anything like i feel like i put myself in this position and like if there's anything that i would want my brother to be telling me or if there's anything i feel like oh maybe kid's like you know maybe he's not as confident he should be in this match or maybe you know he's worried about this guy's attacks so, you know i just kind of i'm just i'm just there to remind him like look kid, like you know, you're training with the best in the world, you know, you are one of the best in the world. There's nobody at this competition that should be able to, you, you know, know. there's little things like that, you know. And, and uh, when I see you, really, like, when you break it down to like, like, I remember in you see, I was doing this lot for you too. Like nice sure. oh, yeah, like, both ways. But like, yeah, when you break it down into like, even all the little things, like, look. How is he gonna out wrestle you? You know, like there's no way he's gonna be able without wrestling you. You know, train with these guys, this guy, this guy. You know, you're in the and you're like, you're like, you're you're right, bro. You're like, he's yeah, not gonna out wrestle you. But that means I'm gonna be on top this round. And you're like, yeah, and this, bro. With, with, this was like. like basically for the holiday match saying, when no, when you're on top, you know, you're gonna be throwing strikes, and it's kind of how are you gonna play guard? Through, you know, when when throwing strikes, and it kind of just throws off the whole the whole rhythm of things for the guy on bottom. So. Like it's just, you put like the game plan in the mindset and, and you're just so confident, you know, yeah. and I think it goes well ways. So I try to, I try to do the same for you. So definitely
0: helps. Well, now I know who to call if I ever have a test I have to take. I'm going to call up you guys to get me all hyped up and be like, Raph, how could you not pass this test? You guys, I'm going to be like, they're going to be like, why did you bring these twins to come coach you? They're my life coaches now. They just get me hyped. You know, if I'm ever at a fantasy football final, I'm going to be sitting there. They're going to be on my sides being like, yo, you got this. That dude, he picks all the wrong people, man. (laughs) (laughs) I do want to ask this again with Ty, though, because there was a little bit of an illusion with it in terms of Cade saying for ADCC, you know, you guys always seem to have these kind of great shared moments, but it seems like every once in a while it's, One of you goes and then the other is there and mega support. Did this feel like one of those opportunities where you were like, hey, man, you were there for me at ADCC. I'm so happy to be here to give back for you. And what does that feel like for you? Because you're witnessing just short at this point, especially after he beats Jordan, it's almost going to happen. And I think you have a clear vision of it. And I'm sure he has a vision of it but you also were not able to compete. So what is that feeling and that vibe like for you?
1: Man, I just, throughout the competition, like even the day of the competition, I instantly wanted to be in the competition. I'm just like, <laughs> man, I just want to, I was, like, I, was, I was so pumped and like two people dropped out the day before and I was actually like really close to even like pulling the last second. The, the day before you said how excited you were for me like 10 times. was like, bro, I'm so excited for you. I'm mean, so excited for <laughs> you. So excited and uh this is like one of like the bigger you know competitions of like for us you know that we've won and you know this combat one and and i was just super excited just to watch you you know go through every match and keep winning and like even like after like when, the, the holly match like you said i'm like okay we're getting close you know and, yeah we he said he made a remark about the money and he was like all right bro you know he's like he said something like oh like you know you're getting that money you get out I was like bro don't even Start! Don't let, let me yeah. focus. There's still one more tough fight. You know, I was like, you know, you're getting yeah. all pumped for you I was know, I was like, pumped, all yeah. in the moment. You know, I was just trying to say tunnel vision, but yeah, but uh, yeah, it was cool. I always, I always try to, you know, pump you up, and and, and just to see you in that competition <laughs> doing well is it was sick to watch for you know, for me because you know i had like that moment for adcc and i also got to see that a little bit on on grap. this was different though because it was like a division like Grapple right. Fest you got the belt too which was sick which was huge but hmm. you know this is different this is a division so to watch you I, uh, go through all those matches and, and you know do well i was like i was super stoked dude.
0: i guess it's important maybe to ask this as well when you guys are both competing at the same time is that difficult Or do you kind of use that energy of both of you guys at the same time competing and just kind of feed off of each other from it? Because the singular version seems like a really cool thing that really does seem to work for you guys. Like, it, it seems to pay off when you guys can channel both of your energy, uh, telepathic or not, which, by the way, I still think should be illegal in jiu-jitsu. I'm going to look into banning that because <laughs> you guys are too good, and when I see you use your twin powers, I'm like, yo, I don't... I, it's like two of them are facing them at once now. <laughs> Op. <Okay. laughs> but, uh... Is that, you said,
1: what was the question? The question what is about...
0: Question of course. The question is... What does it feel like when you guys are both competing at the exact same time, as right. opposed to when you have to just really concentrate on one of you?
1: Yeah, you know, the only slight inconvenience is be like, having a coach and then maybe this go up and then following match after. So I think mm. it's only happened like, yeah, uh, it's, it's like, grapple fest a, a couple who's of number one. One. and who's number one a couple times. So, like, it's not, and it's really not that big of an inconvenience, you know, I like But I realized, like, I kind of, I got rid of a lot of my superstitions after ATC as far as, like, what I need to do before a match, you know, because, you know, at that one, I like, I remember before Sunday night, I was cutting weight till, like, 3 a.m., you know, I'm just like, so if I can go do that, have a good performance after that, you know, like, there's no way I should be able to, you know, not perform because I was just coaching my brother, you know, previously, you know, so. That, that's like that's the only slight inconvenience but even then it's just like i would way rather be there than not be there coaching him and, and, and helping him out you know so and then when we're competing together too you know we're we're both tired we both same thing we both know that we need to hear and we're both there for each other so you know and and it's a cool feeling too because when we're both competing in the bracket you get that 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 sense of like okay let's take this out together kate i want we're to be in the fi- you know we're going to be in the finals and then we're gonna I'm gonna beat you in the finals. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it's like it's a different type of feeling. We have, we have, we have to take out a bracket together. I hope we can do that. I same, know, yeah. I don't have to. Yeah, for sure. We gotta find the light. Race, that's gonna it. be like the ultimate duel. I think it's just like the second we we make it to the final in the with prize money in the division with prize with prize money on the line. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that that'd be nuts for sure. Oh, I think you're I think you're muted, boss. I think. Uh,
0: Thank you. I got it. I was just going to say, I don't think your family is going to 100% love that one. Uh, especially <laughs> if they didn't take so well to you guys uh, getting a, a slap surprise. they would be like, mom, surprise, we're in the finals and we will try to murder each other. <laughs> Yay. But don't worry, Christmas will be fine.
2: Yeah, yeah
1: to I be uh, I mean, like, like, time it, us that's like, if one of us beats each other, like, it's not like, oh, I'm not going to be mad at you for a week, you know, it's like, <laughs> I just need to beat you like, again yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, it's like, dang, I mean, you yeah. got
0: Does that extend to anything outside of this? Is there a competition that goes outside of jiu-jitsu?
1: Absolutely, yeah, for anything. Surfing is another anything big one we're we yeah. very competitive, and not as recently, because we've been sort of focusing a lot on jiu-jitsu, but I, there's been faces growing up where we've been so competitive like yelling at each other in the water screaming <laughs> yes. yeah like snakes do, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. no for sure i think everything we for the most part even skateboarding just like out in front of the house just like well, we'll just be hitting like little banks and then like next thing you know we're we're like all right you do 10 in a row i do 10 in a row whoever does the best 10 you know like We every start sort of scoring our ways yeah competition yeah. <laughs> is classic
0: It's just, I guess the the admiration I have for what you guys are putting out here is just there is competition, but it really does sound like the healthiest versions of it. Like, you guys have a lot of positivity about you, and and it's it's refreshing to see because we have so many people who talk trash and use that as their only way to get a match. And yet with both of you guys, again, part of the reason why you're beloved is because you don't see one of you cutting a promo and being like, Nikki Ryan, you've taken everything from me. I'm coming after you, man. <laughs> like, it's just it's not the way you guys go about your business, and yet still very successful for what you both do. Let's address something here. We've gone on for a bit. It's important to finally talk about the choke. That again, when I say that I get videos sent to me, this is one of the few times where I actually sent it to everybody in anticipation (laughs) that they were going to send it back to me. And they said, what the hell is that? So I wouldn't bring this up to such an extent, except for this. Cade, please correct me if I'm wrong. You said in your interview with TJ, you just learned that move. When you say that, how far back are we talking here? Are we really talking two weeks? And if so, who taught it to you?
1: I think it was, also two, it was like a little over two weeks. It was probably about like a month a month ago, something like that, like a month and a half ago. And uh, his name was Justin Pierce. He's one of like the tall, lengthier guys in the division, or in our, in our academy. Uh, super cool guy. Like, it's always good vibes. Just kind of super wonky, loose jiu-jitsu, but super sick uh, leg locks and just kind of super tricky, you know. And I remember when he showed me this, or I'd actually, I didn't even show me it. I just watched him do it. And, and I watched him do it against like some really you know high level competitor. And I watched him do it against. Literally some, everyone in the gym. Everyone in the gym. Like, is, if, if you'd seen it, you'd be amazed. And I was just, and I finally, I was like, bro, show, show me this. Like, what are you doing? And uh, he showed me you know the, the how to do it with the, he showed me the setup and everything. And I just, I was just so appalled the first time I learned because it, it just looks so baffling. You know, it's like, how does that work? I think and, the first time he did it was on me or the second time. Right. Yeah. I think that happens a lot of the times when one of us learn a technique that we don't know, we immediately try to hit it on the other brother because that's how our goal's going now. Yeah. Like we're, we're so, are you know, anticipating each well, other we've been other's... training with each other for our whole life, so we just know, like, we pretty much know every technique about each other. You yeah, know, exactly. Know exactly. So when moment. we call it something new, we'll, we'll try and do it first, and then we'll try to do it. And then we'll cash on, yeah. But uh, I remember he showed me that uh, a month and a half ago in the last, and <laughs> it was funny too, because afterwards, uh, after I hit the choke, I just started seeing all these comments from all my teammates. Like, that's the one you hit on me. Because every time I, you know, I, I do it, I'm like, oh,
0: that?
1: You know, and then, So I had, like, all these different teammates, like, posting their stories, like, that was the one you did on me. And then I got to like, now I don't feel as bad. Because, you know, so when you get caught in it, you just kind of, you, you're just like, how did, how did I let that happen? But it's honestly, you know, one of those, those techniques where you just really don't see coming. It. And it's kind of like one of those techniques that, you only get caught in it, you know, once, right? You know, because, like, once you feel it coming on, then you know to, like, just back out, you know, and disengage. I remember when you first put it on me, I was like, oh, I'm just going to sit and dig my chin in his ribs, and I'm going to be okay. And I was like, started digging my chin in his ribs, and, like, it got tighter. I was like, what the heck? So <laughs> I, mean, I was doing it harder. Like, at one point, I was just trying to, like, Grind his rib out, and I was just like getting choked. Like, I remember wow. that. I still remember that to this day. Yeah, he was like yeah, trying to grind my ribs out, and I was like, it hurt,
0: but I was just eating it. And I
1: was like, I know he's <laughs> gonna, like, <laughs> <it's just laughs> gonna sound and I got it. Yeah, yes. Yeah,
0: was- <laughs> okay, I, again, thank you for the explanation <clears throat> because I, I here's the the quickest way I can explain my thought process of what it was. Uh, my friend, my uh, my good friend, who I had on the the broadcast that we were doing. We blathered our way through an explanation of it because it's all real time. So we're watching it as it's happening. And I remembered as we're sitting there watching it, I just go, okay, so he's got this thing with his leg around and I need to see a different angle here. And we spent so long discussing it that I was just like, okay, I don't believe I fully know this. And there's a good group of people that go, oh, it's the buggy chip. Yeah, yeah. Old hat, been doing that for years. And I go, I haven't. So clearly, it's new to a <laughs> number of my, us.
1: That was I, my reaction when I first learned it. It's crazy. It's like one of those tropes. I feel like like the, a certain community of people know it, and then like the rest of the Jitsi community does it. doesn't. Yeah. No clue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like it was funny because yeah, it was crazy to find the first time you did it to me. I felt it. I didn't see it. You know, I'm like, what did you do? What the heck just happened? You know?
0: I mean, I have a couple secret trick moves that people always go. I can't believe I tapped to that, and I go. You know, yeah. <laughs> but then they will tap to it again. And I just go, well, now, you know, and the worst is if you keep catching them with it, they kind of hate you a lot. And that's not my yeah. issue. My yeah. issue is just to stay safe. What I would say yeah. though, is you got this incredible response. And you mentioned, it's one of those ones that you only get caught with once. What a time to be able to pull that off though, as the championship winning one, I would like to ask where was the mistake that PJ made in order that gave you the entry for that? Because I saw him putting pressure on you, and yet your response was calm, collected, and I didn't know enough to know you were beautifully setting it up. But I would like you to walk me through it, if you wouldn't mind.
1: Absolutely. So one one of the even setups for it is to for, so for example, someone's just in a just a textbook side control with the with the, like the head and arm positioning right here. Uh, like what you'll do, like oftentimes to set it up is you can even just pass the arm to the other side of the head. And, and you basically put yourself in like a, arm, a head and arm choke, right? Like a, like an arm triangle position. And so the guy, he, he almost gets stoked for a second. He's like, thanks for that. You know, like you just put me in a better position. And that's when they uh, they will clamp down. And, and that uh, specific match with PJ, uh, he, it was off of a takedown, right? So he took me down, beautiful takedown. Uh, and then I ended up with my arm already on that side, you know? So I didn't even have to pass it there. So as soon as he took me down, uh, I was able just to kind of like just grab my leg immediately and just kind of hunker him down, you know, and then I just like adjusted it with my arm, got the grip and then locked it up. And then I knew once I locked it up, it was, it was synced in.
0: I mean,
2: well, I was just going to say, go, 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 go.
0: (laughs) Sorry, I was just going to say, I think the the thing when people didn't understand what it was is they were looking at it and they just go, nah. And, you know, there was initial reaction of like, what? And all I could tell people was if he's catching PJ Barch with something like that, you know it's a legit thing. Like, you know that's not going to be an easy thing to do. PJ was in wars that we have seen over the years, and even that night was having a great match against Nathan Orchard that looked massively uh, tough to be in. So when I saw him Mm -hmm. tap to that, all I could think of was, yeah, that's got to hurt, and that's got to hurt real bad.
1: It's crazy, and it's honestly, it's, it's much tighter than, than the traditional triangle, you know, like, I, I, in my opinion, like, if, you know, of course, it, it, obviously, triangle is great, smear, but the health, the amount of pressure, like, it just sucks the life out of you, this like, the amount of, if done right, the amount of pressure, like, it applies to, to everything just getting crushed, and it's just mentally, it's, it's like, it's kind of like the same mental, uh, Thought as if almost like if you were to get rear naked choked to where you're just mm. like you're so like a complete With both of your arms trapped. Yeah, with both your arms <laughs> trapped, you know, it's just like just Complete, really the like the only defense that I know of is to like pull. Yeah, <laughs> he's
0: like <"Shh."> <laughs> <laughs> You know what though, this is again, uh, we, we get to see the differences yeah. between the two brothers here. I do see again this is this is where Ty is like, yo, yo, bro, we're trying to, you know, instructional that in the future. Let's let's not give away everything, bro. Hold
1: on to that for fanatics. You know I mean? <laughs> we'll, show the, we'll show the defense or something. No, no, no But yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's crazy. Once it's synced in, it's, it's, I mean, good luck getting out, you know? So that's why you got to catch it beforehand, you there's one defense, There's one defense, but if you want to know it, DM us, we'll,
0: we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because after the fact, I had people messaging me being like, oh, yeah, it's really easy. You just do this. And I go, um, you know, as a defensive minded grappler, I told them, unfortunately, I wish I could just put that in to like my, my memory. But it's really one of those moves that I look at and I go, I have to be in it to even address no. it. And then maybe I can reverse engineer it. But up until then, like, it's that panic of, like, everything's tightening and you know you're starting to go. So to me, I said, like, when they told me, they're like, oh, here's the escape or here's how you do it. I go, I don't know if that's going to work. I just got to be in it. And I don't really want to let people put me in that too much. So, you know, I may go for a long time without really knowing the escape out of it.
1: It's a a crazy choke. It gets so tight. Yeah, for sure. It's, It's such a tricky one. You know. well let's
0: chat about what happens with the money so wh- how much did you win and what was like one of the first things because you know it's only been a week so hopefully you haven't lost it all in your travels back yeah. I, I saw you guys eating very well so I know that some of it went to food but what were the <laughs> first things that you guys uh were starting to buy and, and do with the money
1: so honestly uh yeah, besides besides food, I pretty much just uh put it in the bank and I uh, haven't even spent a dollar of it you know uh, Ty, Ty's got a fight with stuff coming weekend in the Cody. So we just kind of, since we've been back, just kind of came straight back to the gym and, uh, uh, and you know, Ty's been, been getting ready for that. So uh trying to keep more just, money in the bank. You know, it takes it takes money to make money, right? So yeah. we're trying to, trying to save as much money as we possibly can and, and that way, you know, continue to, to grow it.
0: Ty- but yeah, it was
1: funny. Right after the competition, we wanted to go like to this Brazilian steakhouse. I was literally right across the street. And we're like oh, let's go and like we show up and, and it closed just as just as we were getting to the door <laughs> like, so then like it was later too at that time it was almost i think it was like one o'clock that's why like it was, i mean we we're kind of like 12. We we're going in like 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 30 minutes before closing kind of rude anyways you know and uh we we're starving though nothing, nothing was open so we ended up going to 7-eleven and k had his weight cut too so he really wanted to eat and man smashed <laughs> we some 7-eleven pizza, 7-11 pizza mm-hmm. and some, ice cream, had some really good Mexican candies. It, was, it, was, it wasn't the dinner we were what we were expecting, but
0: uh, I, <laughs> I think in one of our remotes in the future, we will have to do a food experience with the Rotolo Brothers because I would really? like to experience it. I will let you know that in order to even be in that realm, I'm going to have to like work out nonstop for a month to probably work <laughs> it off after the fact. But there's something about the way that you guys described what most people would go i don't want any part of 711 and i've been there when you've been starving and you just got to make do with what you got but nobody yeah. here is ever proud at least in my realm of saying <laughs> we crushed this pizza from 711 i'm yeah, like if you like, lived it. you're okay that's yeah, really the that right, and especially she's
1: straight i mean she she'd even cook it all the way too it so was like Still doughy and stuff, but I was so it wasn't it was so non-appetizing. But I was just so hungry. And <laughs> yeah. I, was, I actually kind of like their pizza. That's the one wasn't the best, but usually yeah. I like their pizza. <laughs> the States, it's a little different. But uh-huh. it's the only person to say that. So many people like look at the When I first came to San Diego, or we moved to here probably about like, like what eight months ago, kind of when the pandemic started, and uh when we first moved out here, I was eating a lot of Seven Eleven pizzas because it was cheap and. I blow my money on whatever's stupid dinners are more expensive. I'm like, all right, let's see. So like, you get, I think get two slices for like a dollar or something ridiculous. I've eaten a lot of 7 Eleven pizza
0: for sure. Bless your soul. Uh, and you know what? <clears throat> That's how I can tell you're still young is that <clears throat> the minute you come up to me in the future, though, and you go, Raph, I got news for you. I, I understand why you're giving me mess about the 7-Eleven pizza. And I'm going to go, <laughs> pizza. You, you have you have become old like us, son. So we'll, we'll welcome you to the old man club when that happens. But until then, you still got years of just eating whatever you want. Ty, this is for you, though.
1: We're, we're
0: the yeah. question I have right now is, I like the match of you and Cody. Why do exactly. you like the match of you and Cody? For
1: sure. I'm excited to fight Cody, number one, because he's just like in an exciting fight, you know? I know he's not gonna like go on his back and be defensive or anything. I know he's gonna wanna move and take me down and, and he's probably gonna you know, come at me like full strength. So I'm really excited to be able to fight, you know, someone that's really gonna bring it. And um, I'm also excited too, because it's kind of like, uh, I've been kind of towards the top of the rankings now for a little bit and this is, and Cody's, you know, just now he's like kind of climbing the rankings, doing really good too, so. I'm excited, it's kind of like one of my, this is like my first like tune-up fight, not tune-up fight, but like a fight where I'm taking someone lower than me in the rankings in a long time. I've been fighting, you know, guys like Dante and Wagner, and 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 you know, and all i like all you've noticed like all my super fights, has have been fighting like the toughest guys, you know. Like <laughs> A lot of people are always like like, with like, and say like, and be, like, they're not submission fighters and stuff like that, because like, yeah. you know, if you look at the resume, I've got, you know, guys have been fighting, after ADCC it was Wagner, right? And then after <laughs> Wagner it was, it was, Don, was it Dante? I, forgot. Uh, uh, there, I there, was, there was in some between. in between matches, but there, it was, then it. it was Dante, and then it was uh, who was the one after Dante? I don't know. There's like a lot of just third coast, like third coast, Roberto, Caminito, like, Roberto, like, Jimenez. You know, so all every fight since ADCC has just been just top ranked hammers. You know, so it's, you know, it's definitely been. And not to say that Cody isn't, you know, one of those guys. You know, that, but like I feel like I'm in a situation where maybe I'm supposed to to win this one. And, uh, and I'm excited to be able to show, you know, why, why I'm at third right now. And, you know, and I'm excited to, you know, to hopefully, you know, put up a good performance against them.
0: And I mean, again, when we talk about those performers who just go out there and let their work speak for itself. Cody, William, Andrew, those guys, like I, I put you guys in a very similar basket of I don't have to worry about nonsense with any of you. I feel great in knowing that you guys, all you're doing is jiu-jitsu. So you're not messing up your lives. You're just going out there. And there's something very, very um, encouraging about that and knowing, oh my God, we can see some of these matches forever. They're so young. We could literally see this in an ADCC. We can see this at a super fight. We can see this here, there. So sometimes these are just kind of like those first, second, third chapters in a story that we're going to see unfold over the years. But I just have such an appreciation for knowing that we're going to see you guys not even hit your peak for maybe a few more years, even uh, just as something that'll be fun to watch. I would be remiss if I didn't kind of ask you guys, I know we were going to talk a little bit about origin story, but we've already kept you longer than I had uh, asked you to stay. So I do want to ask this, the question I've always wondered, because I think we know that you got into jujitsu together and you started when you were kids, you're still kids, but when you were really kids, when did you guys both know And recognize that you were good because to me there's a difference between your parents wanting to get you athletic make you like understand good principles and discipline but then there's got to be a moment where you go oh I am beating grown people here and Uh I am only 11 or I am 10 and I am putting problems on people when did that register for you
1: you know, we've just been from a very young age. Yeah, I was gonna say we've been super fortunate to have like very supportive parents. Like, we've yeah, fortunate. I was gonna say like our parents and even like the gyms we started at from a young age. have always like believed in us. Like, I remember even like our first competition, some of our first ones. We were like, I think well, my first one we were literally like three and a half, I think maybe four. And and I just have always like my whole life had our parents telling me, oh. You guys are the best you guys you know you're, you're so strong and I, I have all these videos will be like four years old even like little tiger smokes bar and they're like okay it's like oh what are you gonna do today and i'm like oh i'm gonna do the take down to mount to, to submission you know i could barely even talk you know but this like i like we've always kind of had like a little confidence you know in the most humble way possible and then you know i think i think a lot of it just coming from our parents always like like that reassurance i think that's really huge for for an athlete is to just gotta have someone always Reassuring them, you know before a competition or just really just in, in especially ge- as, as a general kid, too. especially as a kid for sure I think that's how a lot of kids will get burnt out as a lot of parents are are harsh on them and And not to say like my parents were harsh on me growing up, you know, for sure that it's good, to, you know to, to to stick them to it, but to push uh, them. and to push them hard There's a difference between pushing and not encouraging them like, absolutely like when you're telling I feel like if you tell someone you know that they're the best for a long period of time even if they don't believe it at first, you know, you kind of start to, you know, start to believe, you have no choice to put in but the work. It. And then, yeah, I remember I like, as you know, four or five, six years old, we'd be fighting kids that were seven, eight, nine, no way older than us, way heavier than us. And, and, and that's when we started to like still beat the bigger kids. And <laughs> I feel like this, that mindset too of this, like, oh, I'm smaller. I'm only like, whatever, like super young, fighting these bigger kids, being able to beat the bigger kids. I think and at that, what, at the, when people see, and see us like maybe going against a lot of bigger guys too, I think we're, we're, as comfortable as we are now with it uh because we were literally doing it at such a young age i remember like because there wasn't a whole lot of of compa- back then you know kid, jiu-jitsu was a lot smaller uh at least in the kids scene you know the kids the kids scene wasn't nearly as big uh you know there wasn't as, as many comp- bigger competitions as there is now and uh and i remember, and like uh yeah like a lot of kids kind of like you like, know Uh, We always have have to go up against kids way older and bigger. Yeah, yeah, always. Like, you know, there's no one in the divisions, right? So always going against, like, you know, say, for example, if you're, like, eight or something, going against, like, 12-year-olds. It'll happen happen all the time. So I think just getting used to it back then kind of, you know, weathered us to to get used to it now, you know? For sure.
0: I also want to kind of circle around this thought. There are lots of family members who try to do this and compete at high levels and there are lots of people who do that sometimes with their squad or their team what has been the secret to the success of you guys being brothers and being able to rise together because again as i mentioned there are a lot of people who try and it can be difficult but but what is the best advice that you would give to maybe other brothers or teammates that kind of have a bond like the two of you have? And what have you seen over the years that has been instrumental in keeping that strong at the highest levels of competition? So thus far, you still got a long way to go. But I'd love to get the insight on that.
1: Yeah, I I think everyone grows at, at different, you know, time rates and and you know, so some people might catch on to some things faster than others, you know, for example like Maybe, you know, maybe Ty was catching on, uh you know, like theoretically for like say was Ty was catching on to leg locks faster than I was, you know, and then he, that that way he'd be able to help me catch up, you know, or say if on the feet my hand fighting takedowns were coming along a bit faster than than his were, then I I would, you know, obviously try to give him details with yeah, on with all the feet That's time. the thing, is like our whole lives we've been I mean, because it's impossible to stay like this with someone, you know, growing up. So our whole lives we've been doing this, you know. And I feel like we, you know, just been getting better and better, just because, uh, you know, at one point in our lives, we, we wouldn't be as good as our, our our whether it be your twin or like your close teammate or your brother, whatever. You know, I just feel like, you know, we've pushed each other because the healthy, the healthy, like it's not like egos either. It's just like the healthy competition we have with each other. Like we just at the end of the day, there's nobody in the world, there's nobody in the world that I would care beat me more than my brother in anything you know there's nobody in the world that can beat me that can either you know does that make sense like my brother yeah my brother is like the guy like i cannot let him beat me for anything you know but at the same time it's not like you know it's like a weird it's not in a weird way it's like exactly it's just if he does beat me then i know that i need to train harder and go do the same for him you know so like if you find that relationship with someone like that's really special to be able to, to to have no this knock out the egos and just to be like look like you know this is this is how we're you just going. have to genuinely care about the other person you know and 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 their and, and their growth in in the sport it, even not not just with my brother i've i've certain friends too that you know i always like try, try to help and you know take under the wing and, sh- and show them as much as i can because if you if i see them making you know the same mistakes that i was making or if i see them you know making just certain mis- just mistakes i can see i'm always there to like yo bro you know try this instead do this boom 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 and then you know, I, I, every day it happens pretty much in the gym. Hey, you know what? I, I heard a lot of people say like jitsu it's a, it's a solo sport. You know, you're going into the competition. It's only you. You can rely on yourself. But for some people, it may be. Yeah, but, for some people, that's how that's how things go. But for my brother and I, it's never been that way. You know, for I've always had someone to, to depend on. And I've always had someone that, that that's there for me when I need them, whether it's to to focus, help me with my mental state or my technique or anything, you know? So when, when you have someone like that, that like genuinely cares and like, and that you guys can, you know, start rising the ranks together and, you know, then that's special. And that's because, the fastest way for growth. Because sure. at the same time, like, yeah, I, I mean, for me, I want to be, you know, one of the best in the world in the near future. But for my brother, you know, like if I'm, if I'm, my brother's not there with me, then it's kind of not, it's not, I won't, I won't be as happy, you know right. what I mean? It's not. That's and not what I want, so I I want to, It's it's both of us. I want us, you know, to be doing it together. And if I yeah, and like if you see one kind of falling back, then you know, you know I'm gonna be on you, and if sure, I fall sure. back, then you know he's gonna be on me. So I don't even have to tell him to like get on it because he, he if I'm you know if I'm doing better or if he's if, or if he's doing better, then I'll be other person. Out, you know, yeah, sure. exactly.
0: <laughs> 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 I just want to compliment you both on a maturity in the terms of mindset for not just competition, but I think great success in life. I think that that's so, so great to have. Somebody who's going to give you not just the energy, the the confidence, but like a rock-hard support system in terms of like nothing is going to deter the other person from ever helping you achieve. And I, I've always told people in my experience, especially with jiu-jitsu, and, and much to what you're saying in terms of it being a solo sport, is I go, it's solo when you perform. But then you still have people who coach you. You still have people who are supporting you. You still have a number of people who are contributing something. So I think the best people that I see in my experience are the people who pull their resources together. So a lot of times when you hear these guys yeah. say, I don't got a team. I don't got these people. I don't got that. I was like, well, what are you doing? Like, yeah. what are you doing to cultivate that? If you don't have one, build it. And it's on you to create that sense of, of community and, and fostering that. And I think that's where people have such a hard time learning that. Not just period, but like at any given point in their lives. And the fact that you guys have already put that in in a very positive mindset is very easy to see why you guys have had so much success. So I want to thank you for your time. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to put a bookmark here. I appreciate you guys sticking around for longer. We will look into at some point. Maybe when uh, things open up a little bit more, doing a remote, I would love to see what you guys try to make me eat and and keep up with what you guys are eating. And I would love to actually get into a conversation of the real origins of, of the stories between the two brothers. But it's always important for us here on the show to commemorate what just happened because what you do is really incredible. And last week was a real big moment for the both of you. And so I'm really glad we were able to make that happen.
1: Thank much, you, much appreciated. Yeah, Thank man. you so much. Sick worries, man. All right, guys. Wait, <laughs> uh, interview You, Did you brought up stuff up? Yeah. that I didn't even realize, you know, that's like, so, <laughs> no, yeah. such a You literally, like, brought it out of us. Yeah. Just, like, talking about it.
0: <laughs> well, let's put it this way. I better be good at this. Or <laughs> what's the point? I always tell people, I go, think of it like this. The way you guys want to be the best at your sport, I want to be the best at this. So that's why all I right. talk trash to all the other podcasters, and I let <laughs> them know there is a pecking order. And they're yeah. somewhere down here in trash, and I'm here. Uh, no, yeah. I'm... <laughs> I, I have a, get the
1: thought with you. <laughs> hey,
0: you know what? Give me one second. Let me do a transition. I'll say bye to you both off air. My thanks to the Rotolo Brothers. I want to remind everybody watching this, go check out their instructionals. You can find them everywhere, but I'm assuming the bulk of which are going to be over at BJJ Fanatics. And I want to give them a quick opportunity to shout out their sponsors before we go ahead and do it. Gents, tell people who is helping you get around and do all the things.
1: As uh, yeah, first and foremost, uh, you know, Showgirl always been helping and supporting us since a young age, since we were like, ten. This such so it was such a long time, so yeah, yeah thanks was, so much to Showgirl. So uh, at Pono Cafe, we don't have the T-shirt right now, but yeah, I Pono Cafe, next level of food in Costa Mesa. Uh, the chef and Dana, all, two people that have always been like family us. to us, like family to us too as well. Uh, Bonsai Bulls and Electrum Performance, uh, uh, the gym here out in San Diego. And the box, I fire. Sorry, thanks to all of you guys and, and supporting and, uh, us, bro. Well, Alexi Cure, too. Uh, I, I love Alexi Lex- Cure. Oh, my gosh. The, the CBD. Yeah. Lifesaver. Can't forget about that one. Thanks, guys. You guys are the Much appreciated all you.
0: Appreciate it. All right, guys. We'll be right back with Gary Tonin after this. Cool. Head on. All right, ladies and gents. My guest here today. What do I say about him? It's hard to put into words what exactly he means to this show, because it's conflicting. We root for him, we're excited for his wins, but is there a part of us that's kind of rooting against him? I would be lying if I didn't say at least there's 10% of us that goes, but what if he lost? Like, what kind of shit would that do for us? And I have to say this, before he comes on, I think it's important to note, when Gary puts up his traditional, hey, hey, here's the time i'm fighting please don't ask me because i'm just not going to respond to you note i look at it and he says east coast time it's going to be 7 a.m in the morning is when the event starts i look at that time over here on the best coast time and i look down and i say holy fuck! i'm not waking up for that i will catch a replay i'm not interested in it joke's on me i had to be at work at 4 30 in the morning So, it was maybe about two hours into the event where I just go, Hey, is Gary Oh, fuck! I can watch that! So, I didn't mean to watch it, but I guess things worked out nicely enough that I got to see Gary pick up his first decision win in MMA, but looking quite dominant, and we have questions about it, obviously. But, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, our friend, and yours. One, Gary Tonin. Gary, how are you doing here, sir? I'm doing great, man. I'm glad you got a chance to watch my fight by accident. <laughs> I had to explain to our, our boss Is he walked in. He's like, what's up, man? And he sees me watching something, like a video, and he just goes, w- w- what's going on there? And I was like, oh, my buddy's fighting. And he's like, oh, he's your friend? And I was like, yeah, uh, it's complicated. <laughs> I go, I do want him to win. And he goes, okay, that sounds cool. It sounds like a raft problem. Are you going to finish these things? And I go, yeah, yeah, dude. Like, it's 5 a.m., man. Like, give me some time to fucking get this together. And I got to say, man, from the very get-go, it was nice to see you start with uh, not only some striking that looked good, man, but you had uh, your opponent's back. You had all of these things go well for you. But before we even get into the fight, I want to ask, how hard was it to get this fight here together?
2: Ooh, man, there were some hoops to jump through, man. Uh, So, first of all, it's been like a year and a half layoff uh, since my last fight. Um, There were some contract negotiations that happened that delayed things. Uh, Then I had, like, a fight signed and, like, something happened, and that got pushed back. And uh, then, finally, I had, like, a pretty sure thing going, and then uh, that was, like, their very first canceled event uh, for COVID. So, like, they... They started having events with no audience, and then uh, my event was the first event that they had to like officially totally cancel uh, because I guess they had cut off uh, travel between uh, – or I think in and out of Singapore. I think that was the issue. I think the issue was is that even if they wanted to host the event outside of Singapore, I think most of their staff is located there. So uh, they couldn't you know take anybody anywhere um, or they wouldn't have been able to get back into the country. Um, so it posed an interesting problem for them. They started doing some like, uh, I think kickboxing events and stuff for a little bit. They were allowed to do because they were able to use some fight, some guys that were, uh, local fighters, I guess, um, or guys that were around. But, uh, I think that's how they started. And then finally they started having events again. I think there was even allowed at the last the event that I did, there was like 250 people, I think. So like very small amount, but I guess they're, you know, back to having some, Kind of audience right mm-hmm. uh but anyway like it was it was tough just to get the fight okay like <laughs> that that was a little bit of an issue uh but the hoops that we had to jump in uh jump through to like make sure that we could actually be there uh were quite a bit um so they gave us like what was a seemingly impossible task which was hey you must get a covid pcr test which is like the long one. It's not the rapid test, right? So Mm. the rapid test is something that you can get back fairly quickly within a 24 hour period. Um, but the PCR test is one, the the one where they, you know, stroke your brain with a Q-tip and, uh, that one there, the window of time, at least in the United States that they give you is often like three to five days for the results for that. Now the results do come back earlier than that sometimes and often do. However, you know, they're giving you a, the realistic window just in case, you know, it's like three to five days. Right. So what did one say? One was like, well, uh, before your flight within a 72 hour window, you must get a COVID test. Now, not only that, my flight was on, uh, was on a day where I couldn't even, I couldn't even get it within that 72 hour window. So, uh, the the 72-hour window would have started on the weekend, right, Sunday night. So, like, I was going to lose, like, 12 of those hours beforehand. So now we're talking not just a 72-hour window, we're talking, like, a 60-hour window that I had to take this test, hopefully get the results back, and then, you know, that would grant me the ability to fly. Now, 24 hours before the flight, uh, I get a phone call, so it's, like, 12 o'clock at night. Uh, not even a phone call. It was just like a text from the, from the guys. And they were like, Hey, by the way, is your passport number on your COVID results? And I was like, "Uh, no, why would my passport number be on my COVID results? Like nobody, like it's a medical test. Why would, why on earth would my passport number be listed on that? It just makes no sense. And they're like, well, uh, the problem is if it's not, you probably can't fly. And I was just like, losing my goddamn mind because like anybody that kind of understands what it's like to prepare for a fight get ready for a fight do all the things that you need to do for a fight like you probably know that by the time you're getting to about a week 10 days away from actually fighting there's a lot going through your mind you're very stressed you're in the middle of a weight cut usually i mean that's the tail end of your weight cut. the last week is probably going to be like the worst part of it uh, I mean, I had a million other things like that are just regular fight related shit that you normally have to deal with at that time. And now they're telling me within a 24 hour window, not even really like, I had 16 hours to tackle this problem. They're like, yeah, if you don't have these numbers listed on a piece of paper, a medical form, right. You're not going to be able to fly. I was losing my goddamn mind. I was like, I was like texting these people furious and like all angry and yelling at people, you know, that this wasn't their fault, but You know, I'm like, I'm like, well, just put the number on the fucking form. I'm like, you want me to call up a lab, a medical lab that's probably swamped with it was Thanksgiving fucking week. Right. So you want me to call up a medical lab that's swamped and tell them, hey, I need you to slap fucking nine numbers or whatever the fuck your passport numbers. I don't know how how many numbers it is. (laughs) I need you to slap nine numbers on this on this form for me. I know you have no reason to do it. Uh, I need you to get into your Photoshop right now and fucking do this for me so I can get on my flight. You know. And crazy enough, I thought they were just gonna laugh in my face. Crazy enough, I did get a hold of somebody at the lab. I called them as early as I possibly could in the morning, and they did it for me. Uh, my my uh, my teammate Yuting, who came out here with me, actually they did laugh in his face, and they were like pissed at him for asking to do it. So it didn't work out the same way for him. But eventually, he got it done. But dude, that was just that was just to fucking get here, you know. But I can go into more stuff about what happened here. I don't know if I want to keep talking about it forever, but. You know, that was just to be able to get onto the fucking airplane, the 18 and a half hour flight to actually get to Singapore to be able to fight. <laughs> well,
0: let's, this is a good time maybe to go ahead and recap. And what are you drinking right
2: now, by the way? Uh, a wheat beer. I don't, I've never had this type of beer before. It's called the air Um, it's actually pretty good. Okay. All right. Cause the
0: thing is, Not bad. is, I was just talking with somebody earlier today and I said, you know, I'm doing this interview with you. We're recording it. Uh, very late here sure. because of the time difference and I normally do a fight companion where I'm drinking and somebody said you know oh <laughs> Gary will probably enjoy that because you'll be sauced and I go yeah I know man he's used to always uh, seeing me very very with my wits and they go have you ever seen Gary drunk and I go I haven't but it's not like he's opposed to <laughs> drinking he's just not when I'm really around him because he's normally competing so it's not really time for him to be like yeah oh, I got this final round but Let me just go ahead and pump this fucking shotgun real quick, (laughs) this Bud Light, and then I'll finish this. Wish you would. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, all right, well, it's good to see that you're celebrating appropriately. I did want to ask about this because people were a little, I don't want to say miffed, but they were probably feeling for you in that John couldn't make it out there to coach with you. So when did you find out and when did you guys make the decision to have him not go through those protocols, which sound pretty shitty?
2: yeah so I probably I'm guessing around like four weeks ahead of time uh, I was just kind of coordinating with their event staff and stuff and trying to figure out what the deal was um, because I obviously knew that there was gonna be different protocol uh, because of the COVID stuff so I said like I was asking I was like how many corners am I allowed to bring you know how does that work you know this that and the other thing and they're like well you can bring one corner and I was like oh I was like so you want me to drill fucking heel hooks and Connie basami on an old man uh, i was like i was like that ain't right you know i was joking with them a little bit but they were like yeah sorry you know we can only have one corner come it's the government it's restrictions it's not ours you know normally we get at least three corners uh for regular fights and then five corners for uh title fight i believe um so uh yeah it sucks man it was the first time that i ever had to be here without john um you know for a fight anyway you know obviously i've grappled many times i think grappling is just it's a very different thing and like um There's so many competitions and you can compete so frequently that it's a little unrealistic for your instructor to always be there. Like I try to communicate this uh, to like students and stuff sometimes like, like, dude, like I love to be there. I love to try to make sure that I have coaches there to help coach. But I think for grappling, it's a very realistic thing to get used to the idea of competing Like just alone by yourself. Maybe you have like a friend or something that's gonna keep time, or even some random person that's just gonna keep time for you. That's probably a good thing to do. Unlike what I did in ADCC in China, where I didn't have anybody in my corner and didn't didn't tell me how much time was left for my crone fight. But uh, (laughs) so I definitely recommend doing that. But as far as like grappling is concerned, like you do need to on some level get comfortable with the idea of occasionally fighting, you know, without a corner. It's an individual sport and like there's just so much of it going on and So like, there's so many other people too. like, think about that. Like, you know, you have a big, huge grappling team of, of multiple uh, people competing all around the world and like, you know, coaches got to be different places and it just might not be the case that you're going to have somebody like that, you know, in your corner. So I'm used to that from grappling, but from a fighting standpoint, it's a little different because I'm so new at it, you know, and it's, and it's not only am I so new at it, I'm doing it at the highest level. You know, it's not like, yeah, I'm so new at it and I'm competing in a naga like I'm still competing on the world stage in in front of millions of people and shit. Like it's not, it's a problem, you know, like it's, it's, (laughs) it's stressful. It's, it's a big deal. Um, it's a tough thing. And like, you know, the consequences of failure are, you know, you getting fucking knocked out, right. Uh, or seriously hurt in a cage. So, uh, it's tough to not have like your support system that you normally have around with you, uh, in your corner. Um, thankfully, that at the time in my career that this has happened at the sixth fight, I really do feel John done such a great job of not only just coaching me on a day-to-day basis and like giving me skills, but teaching me like how to properly uh, prepare, get ready, warm up, do all the things that I really need to do, visualize, you know, what's going to happen in the fight. He's really done a great job of helping me kind of figure out what I need to do leading up to a fight. So honestly, like, it sucked not having him here, and I would have felt a lot better if he was. But I felt like with all, everything that he's taught me, I, pretty, I knew what I needed to do. Like I came out here, every, every practice that I had with my uh, cornerman, like I ran very similar, I think, to the way that John probably would have ran me through drills and used similar strategy and visualized things similarly and, and worked on similar things. And um, I, think that, I think that I was prepared to go into this one alone. Um, despite the fact that it wasn't ideal circumstances and, uh, I felt very confident when I went out there and fought, you know, despite the fact that it wasn't a perfect, it wasn't a, it wasn't perfect circumstances. So, uh, you know, kudos to him for, for being able to prepare me like that, because that's not, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing, especially on your sixth fight ever, you know, on a world stage to go out and not have, you know, your coach there. So,
0: yeah. And I mean, he put it as he always does pretty logically, where you say, yeah, that makes sense. You probably should spend the person uh, who is going to be able to do the drills and really get you ready because that's going to play an important yeah. part, especially given all the, the COVID so important. If you are having to warm up or lose weight or stay on a game plan yeah. that you've already sort of finessed, it's just obviously, all things considered, everybody here is trying to make things work in very unusual circumstances. So it was very yeah. nice to see it all still happen and it work out nicely for you. Let's get over to the fight right now because I do want you to, to walk me through it. It is very nice to hear the commentators become more and more familiar with your style and and what you're putting out there. Now, you did mention that this is your sixth fight. Obviously, you would love to have John out there. But all things considered, what did you feel that you had really improved upon the most for this particular fight and why
2: it's a good question i come uh commonly am asked that uh leading up to this fight i i like a lot of people were saying like man you know like what are we gonna see that's like so different from your last fight to this one because like i hadn't fought in a year and a half and like it makes sense um it's hard for me i think because we work on so many different things um and it wasn't like in this year and a half because it's such a long span of time right like it wasn't like i think if i think if i I was given like maybe a span of time like three months or something um to answer a question like that maybe i would have been able to have like a more specific answer but because i've had like a year and a half layoff it's hard to really say you know even to look back at a year and a half ago and be like well I really sucked like a lot at that, and now I'm like so much better at th- it. Like, it's it's kind of hard because I, I do feel so different. It's just kind of hard to – it's hard to describe exactly how different. It's funny that you mention it too, though, because I was watching uh, – because they obviously were putting out a lot of promos uh, for the fight and you know my previous fights and things like that. So I was watching a little bit of clips of my previous fights and things, and I do notice some pretty major differences uh, from the first fight um, all the way to, uh, you know, my fifth fight obviously was the last one that I was, that I was watching. Uh, one of the biggest differences I noticed, um, was the amount of, the amount of movement, I think, especially head movement specifically that I displayed in like my first fight compared to, uh, and I haven't rewatched this fight yet, by the way, mm-hmm. but compared to like my fifth fight, I, I looked a lot more cognizant of the idea that like, Hey, there's going to be somebody swinging punches and kicks at my head. Like you need to fucking, you know, constantly be moving and making sure that like, you know, you're a moving target. So that's one thing that I, I, I made some major improvements on. I would say that after feeling this fight, not watching it. Cause I, like I said, I haven't rewatched it yet. I will uh, very soon. I don't know why I haven't, but it's not like I have anything better to do. I just <laughs> haven't done it. Uh, I guess I've just been feeling the moment of it all. Um, but I will watch it very soon. I'm sure. Um, I think that what I felt was one of the biggest changes uh, was in the third round of this fight um, was something I displayed that I have not displayed in any of my other fights, in my opinion. And maybe people could agree or disagree with me because they actually got to watch it. But uh, I felt like the third round of this fight, I displayed a skill, which is actually quite a difficult skill. I think um, uh, especially at early levels of striking. And that was a skill of being able to hit while moving backwards, um, being able to keep distance and still do damage um, while people were trying to kind of chase you, chase you down and, and attack—that um, That is something that I think in my previous fights, anytime somebody came forward, uh, any, anytime I was fighting on my back foot, it was mostly defensive movement. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I think in my previous fights, the majority of the damage that was done was moving forward, offensive damage. Uh, any counters that I did, the most, the most that I would ever do in countering would be takedowns. Mm. And that's a really good way to counter people. Don't get me wrong. It's like reactive takedowns is the best takedown in the sport, in my opinion. Um, and I did one in this fight as well. Um, but that was the only answer that I had, I think. You know, uh, at least offensive answer, I guess I should say. And in this fight, in the third round, I think I was able to display my ability to do damage even while moving backwards and being evasive uh, from the opponent, which is a tough thing to do, um, especially when... Especially, especially in tandem with other skills. Like there are some fighters who are really, really good at that and are known for that. For example, I'll say like an Anderson Silva, and I'm not comparing myself to Anderson Silva. Let's not everybody get their fucking panties in a bunch, okay? <laughs> um, but I'm just saying like Anderson Silva is great at fighting when he's moving backwards. Like that's one probably one of his best skills. Even though he did get caught uh, pretty badly by Chris Weidman when he was moving backwards, most of his fights when he moves backwards, he fucking does some serious damage to people. Um, Anderson Silva is not particularly a great, I would say the greatest, maybe not a great, but he maybe is He's still great, but maybe he's not the greatest fighter moving forward. Like I don't, I I don't look at him as the greatest offensive initiative kind of fighter. Most of the time he's hanging back, waiting for you to do things and encounter you. Right. Which is a great style, but most people can't do both is what I'm saying, I guess. And I think I have displayed an ability to move forward and attack and have a, and have a, a success in that style. And I, for the first time in this fight have displayed an ability to also move backwards and be successful and to be able to move forward and backwards and still be dangerous in a fight is extremely valuable because it means that you're very versatile and you can handle different situations that occur in a fight and different types of opponents. And that's something that I've, I've definitely been working on and trying to be, uh, and tried to be able to do is and become more and more well-rounded. Um, and I was really happy to see that. That wasn't necessarily the plan going into this fight. To do that third round, uh, I got kneed pretty goddamn hard on the face. And that I think that was the majority of the incentive to spend the third round, uh, you know, standing and, and being evasive and, and throwing strikes. But uh, still, I, I think that was a notable difference between that that fight and many of the other fights.
0: Now, you mentioned that, but I, I, I'm always curious about this, especially when you're in the middle of fighting. Most people don't get into that situation or really know what that feels like. But did you feel that you were two rounds ahead at that point and maybe— you know having that maneuvering was going to be the strategy to go with especially once you get need in there or did it just become that it became an extension of what you were doing in that first round because you mentioned head movement and that was something that i noticed that really kept you in a significantly different aspect of what i've seen you move well in grappling but i think that you're finding new ways that incorporate that into your striking and your boxing that keep showing us new dimensions to what you're putting out there but I was curious what was happening in your head in that third round.
2: Yeah, no, I mean that's very much you you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Uh after getting kneed and like I was rocked pretty bad, like uh not like like I, I went out or anything, but just yeah. it just fucking hurt a lot and uh it definitely shook me up. I was wobbled for sure. Um so you know, when I got into the third round, I guess probably right after the second, as I was sitting in the corner, I was just kind of thinking to myself, I'm like, well, I fucking really dominated the first two rounds. Like Mm -hmm. I think there's zero question. Now one is interesting because uh, this is something that probably a lot of people that are listening don't know. And even people that don't aren't listening probably don't know about one. Most people wouldn't know it. Uh, One does not do a 10 point must system, which is a little confusing probably to the average viewer uh, or average listener. Um, One grades a fight based off of the entirety of the fight. So their thought process is, just because in the first round you throw, let's say I land like five strikes, you land one strike, not a whole lot happens. Right. That doesn't mean that I like won a whole third of the fight. Like they're just, they just look at those, you know, that strike count and they look at like what happened in that third, in that first round. And they're like, okay, that happened. Right. But like the second round, let's say for example, a lot more happens where like I'm extremely dominant or whatever the case may be. And, you know, uh, in the first round, the other guy threw those five strikes, Mm -hmm. it is not one round to one round at that point. Right. We are not equal. Like my second round where I really dominated means that I am winning this fight now, which is actually pretty cool in my opinion. Hmm. Like I understand how maybe that could get a little dicey and a little confusing as far as judging is concerned. And like maybe to the viewer. Uh, but at the same time, like I almost feel like that's a better way to judge fights because let's be honest, like, just because somebody pitter-patters around in, in a round, like that doesn't equal the same gravity, in my opinion, as maybe getting like multiple knockdowns in a round or taking somebody's back and nearly strangling them. Like, like how could you possibly wait that round the same as you wait the other round? Like, obviously the person was much closer to getting finished, right? So anyway, so long diatribe to explain what I was, <laughs> what I was trying to say. But, um, yeah, I I had felt like I was significantly up like that so much would have to happen in the third round bad against me for me mm-hmm. to lose that fight. So one of the first rules of fighting, and this is one of the things that John says <laughs> is, uh, don't lose, <laughs> you know? And, uh, especially, you know, uh, you know, you often see me in a, in a, uh, a grappling exchanges and stuff, fight with a little bit more reckless abandonment and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the one of the easy things about that is is that the consequences aren't quite as, as bad, you know. Um, I can I can afford to do that a little bit more. Also, it's something that I've been doing for over a decade, so I'm a little bit more confident in it, right? Um, in in fighting, man, like consequences are really dire. You know, uh, I I make a mistake and get caught or something. Like I said, get knocked out, take brain damage, all these sorts of things, and I'm much less comfortable there. You know, let's just be honest. Like, as as comfortable as I want to feel, as confident as I want to be, I've done this six times now. You know, and at that point in time, I had done it five times. So at that point in time in my head, I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, well, you took a little bit of damage there. You're absolutely winning this fight. Uh, You feel pretty safe on the feet. Like, there's nothing that he's really done on the feet thus far uh, that made you feel like, man, you're really, you're in a lot of danger there. You're going to get knocked out. So let's use some evasion, play some tag, and let's see if we can get him with some shots. And, uh, you know, eat up some of the round and see how it goes, you know, and maybe if I had gotten hurt more that round in the standing position, maybe I would have said to myself, all right, well, we got to take him down again or something like that. But I I felt like I was doing so well, being evasive and doing damage that I said, all right, let's continue to do this third round. And that's how we're going to win this fight. So,
0: and that, thank you for that perspective, because again, you know, the, the first round where you had not only uh, some good moments on the feet, but just the grappling dominance. And I guess I can say this because I know you fairly well, but where the fuck do you think you're going to get off trying to hit fucking half-guard sweeps in the middle of the first fucking round, where I'm like, look, Gary, we get it. You're good at grappling. You're going to make this a back take. (laughs) But I'm just sitting there being like, yo. And I mean, you were working great. You have a body triangle on him at one point. You're obviously working Uh and, you know things looked well were you close on any of those because to me those are kill shots for a number of people and he did prove to be pretty resilient in those moments and uh i mean credit to him there i did want to go ahead and pay that respect to him in terms of you know really having to fend off what seemed like an onslaught of attacks
2: yeah he was super tough i mean definitely no no credit taken away from him um and in anything that i'm about to say um but I would say the closest I ever was to submitting him was the very first round. Uh, I had some pretty the, – the first rear naked choke entry – well, I don't know if I want to say first because obviously I had to go back and forth a little bit and dig for the neck. But sure. um, there was one period of time in the very first time I was on his back with the body triangle mm-hmm. that I had the arm like fully underneath the neck. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, the problem that I was having was getting the secondary hand completely behind the head. Um, and I hate trying to even attempt the strangle with like a hand on top of the head, because I feel like it's so easy for the other person to just take your hand off and grab that it's not even worth my energy trying to squeeze and strangle you. Um, and even in doing what I had done for that round, like my arms were very tired, right? Like, it's not like, um, even though I had never, I don't even think at any given point in time, I fully, uh, squeezed for the strangle and like said, like, all right, I'm going to try to finish him here because I didn't think I fully had it. Um, I still got very fatigued just controlling him and trying to strangle. Right, so um, that was what that was what I didn't want to do was to, to give my all into trying to strangle this guy and then and not really be in a position where I was gonna get it if if, if it wasn't really in. Um, one thing that I had noted prior to this fight in watching him fight was uh, there was a previous fight of his where somebody had locked in. It's actually a pretty tight strangle, uh, a full figure four around his neck. It's like a it's like a very variation on the guillotine, I guess. Uh, I often call it a front choke, Um, but he had this full figure four uh, or like maybe you could even call it like a no arm Katagatame uh, around the guy's neck. People often do it when guys shoot in for single legs. They push the head to the side and then they lock a figure four. And uh, he had it, his opponent had it locked in completely uh, for probably like a good like 30 seconds and he just kind of ate it. Um, And it looked to me like, all right, this is a guy who's prepared to go completely unconscious in a strangle if necessary, which fine, you know, I'm I'm prepared to choke him unconscious. But <laughs> I definitely didn't want to waste my energy doing something uh, that wasn't completely there. Because I I knew he wasn't going to he's not the kind of guy that like, is just going to tap for no reason. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong. Like they're probably and I think my family, I was on the phone with my mom or something recently. And she was saying she thought that there was a point during the first round where he was like, confused that I let go of the strangle or something like where maybe he was ready to tap or thought he thought it was over, but it's hard to tell like when you're on somebody's back, right? Like, I don't know, you know, how close he is to getting strangled or not. So there very well may have been a chance that had I done something a little different or maybe squeezed at a certain point that he would have been, you know, put out, but that's just not how the, how the way things work. And uh, there's also a possibility that I could have decided to uh, kind of like give up the, the back and, and look to strike a little bit more um, like going into the mount. And I did that a little bit, but maybe a little too late. You know in the round um there's a lot of ways that things could have went but yeah it was tough to strangle he's holding on to the gloves and my fingers a lot as well uh again you know not trying to take away from his ability to defend or anything like that but that does pose some problems you know even though that's illegal uh (laughs) it does happen uh it's happened to me in grappling before wagner hosha uh during adcc trials the very first time i won was like fucking grabbing individual fingers and pulling them back and shit and, uh, you know, so it happens. It's a reality of the sport, even though it's an illegal, illegal thing. And, um, yeah, he, he was pinching his elbows down as tight as he could so that I couldn't take my secondary arm out to strangle him. It's a tough thing with the gloves. Sometimes, uh, you see a lot of guys that probably would finish people when they're on the back, like good jujitsu guys, for example, Damien Maya. like, mm-hmm. you know, Damien Maya. even, you know, like, I think in a lot of situations in fighting, had he had no gloves on once he got to somebody's back, like he probably would have strangled them. It's just like really fucking hard to get that second hand back there. Um, so anyway, uh, I tried, <laughs> and it was tough, and and you did a good job. But there's there's there one thing I think people should understand is that doing that in fighting and doing that in jujitsu are just different things,
0: you know. Well, I think you you put it quite nicely when you say there is a difference on burning out. Based on tape study that you have as well, the arms that you're going to need if you go to a second round, you don't want to have nothing and sure. have jello going in. I just felt like, yeah, it, it looked like it could have been close, but I kind of got that feeling that you did. And I want to say this I know you're being very respectful, and obviously that is something that is important to note here he did in his preview statement say that he was going to make you quit mixed martial arts so i feel like you know all things considered and you know what the worst part is when i saw him say that in the preview part all i could think to myself was yo man get in line i've been trying for over six years and it still hasn't taken so you keep at it man keep that dream alive but uh i've been putting in more time there because to me when i see you getting in there aside from you looking like uh, Walmart version of an Anthony Kiedis look-alike, what I see is you going out there and getting a few key moments that really, really struck out to me. Now, I know you mentioned the nose uh, a little bit earlier, but I think there's something that people should see here, which is that if you look at the photo of the nose, I'm going to put this all over me because this is a kind of selfie that sometimes you take and you think, maybe I should do it again but you had a whole <laughs> purpose of what you wanted to say here with
2: this particular
0: <laughs> photo so if you wouldn't mind telling us what exactly was the lesson you were trying to get us to take away from the social media posts that you put up about this particular weird ass ricky gervais bad selfie photo that you've got here sir
2: it's funny that you say that well so i want to address two things because i don't want to miss it um before i talk about the photo uh you had mentioned what he said about making me quit the sport i'm gonna be honest with you dude like when I heard that, I was like, I was like, oh man, that's not really nice. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, man, can't you just beat me? Why do you got to make me want to quit the sport? <laughs> like, like I was thinking that to myself,
0: you know, but to be uh, so fair though, funny. that is a great <laughs> moniker because as a pro wrestling fan, sure. I like the idea that he would beat you so bad that you'd go, you know what? This has all been wrong. <laughs> I just reconsider my um, life <laughs> know, like this whole thing has been a wash guys. I'm washing my hands of this I'm gonna own a big lots now that's what I do <laughs> uh start bubble gum
2: shrimp um <laughs> so uh yeah man so the photo um on it there wasn't like a necessarily a moral lesson to take away or anything like that. I think I was just talking about my feelings. Uh, more than anything else after the fight, I had put up multiple photos of that and just like one of the fight and just talking about like what it feels like to walk away from a contest like that and, uh, you know, how good it, it makes you feel. But like at the same time, like how much how much struggle and how much pain and suffering that you go through, not just during the fight, obviously, like with with a thing like getting meat in the nose like that, but uh, with also the lead up like we talked about a little bit and and how like those two. Two kind of things are constantly playing off in your mind, but and I, and I don't know if the if the real answer is that it is worth it, like maybe it's not like I don't know you know what I mean like when you when you like really reevaluate things like maybe when I'm like on my deathbed I'll be like, man, what a fucking idiot but uh but man in these in this these brief moments, like right after you win a fight, like man, it feels worth it like mm-hmm. it is just a a feeling like no other, and I guess what i was when I took that photo, the reason I took that photo is is because I kept. I had, I was actually thinking to myself, I was like, Oh man, I'm going to wait like a couple de- a couple days to like maybe do some interviews and stuff because my fucking face is so fucked up. Right. But then I was like, no, that's stupid. Like, like why would I do that? So then I, I kept walking into the bathroom and like, obviously there's a mirror there and I kept looking into the mirror and I was just, I would just smile every single time when I looked at my nose, like I couldn't do anything else but like laugh and smile, uh, even though it like hurts really bad and like looks like shit. And, uh, I don't know man i just it just felt like it was something worth noting that like even though like that really sucks and like that bad thing happened like i still feel so great about you know the results and like and i felt like it, everything was like worth the sacrifice and it's just such a cool feeling to be able to have and like yeah that's the kind of thing that i risk and even worse so but at the same time it's just such an amazing feeling to walk away from 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 that uh, victorious and and uh you know with such a sense of, of pride and bliss that, um, it, in those moments it makes it feel all worth it in that, in that, uh, I was, I felt like I was really enjoying that even though I was all fucked up. So
0: (laughs) you should be proud of it, man. I mean, that's a, that's a weird thing that not a lot of people understand or get, And I just want to bring this down here because I don't want to get rid of it just yet, though. It should be burnt with fire. (laughs) The last thing I wanted to mention is if you ever go back to a dating website, I think that that's the one that you really need to put up because I think that's going to let you know exactly how committed somebody might be. I think it says a lot very quickly to somebody who might be swiping left or right. But if you look at it on like one of those dating apps and they go, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? then you know
2: they're not going to be in for the long haul man it's a very different it's a very different strategy i see what you're saying you know Mm -hmm. if you're really if you're really trying to attract the ones that are going to be there for the long haul that's probably the way to do it
0: (laughs) but it's also you think about it like you do wonder when you see a photo like this you go he's smiling though he clearly struggles in life so good for him all right so i put up the one bad photo but I feel it's only fair uh-huh. to put up the one really good photo. And I really. Okay. Like, dude, okay. Oh, yeah, baby. We need to discuss this one because you look like a <laughs> fucking majestic pony in this one. And I don't know if it's like. <laughs> you, you look like either that or like some weird ass centaur that just cut in half for a day and went to go fight in MMA. But I saw that photo and all I could think of, and I really mean this as a friend, was. Does he deserve that? Because it's so fucking badass. Like, it really (laughs) complements your hair, your fight style, and the fact that you have a photo that will follow you for the rest of the life that just looks as like, oh, excuse me, I'm also cutting an Old Spice commercial in the middle of this (laughs) Yeah,
2: dude. I mean... It's it's that very moment right there that made the haircut all worth it. You know, like oh <laughs> the, the, you know, I've dealt with this fucking terrible haircut for so long and it's it's it was fucking bound to happen, man. I was going to have at least one goddamn good moment. So that was that was the gods repaying me for all my pain and suffering right there. And absolutely because
0: I had a moment where somebody saw you know, we did the meme obviously and we made a you know, you you were putting up A nice Beowulf quote. The only thing, and I try to run a good, understand what you've gone through, and is the joke worth it? But when you were cutting your promo, because it was written on, I believe, like, MMA fighting is something, like, Gary Tonin cuts a pro-wrestling-like promo. And I just remembered seeing you on there. But people forget that you also have to fight before they talk to you. And so you're sitting there and you go, here's the quote... (laughs) i'm quoting <laughs> I'm also i gotta get this out you turn away for a split second it's all dramatic and i just go man he's fucking tired and i am enjoying this far too much <laughs> so we put the, the darkwing duck over it and i understand that's what uh-huh. it sounds like but when every person comes in who all of your captain save a host to defend your honor and they're saying that's from Beowulf, <laughs> and i go bro do you really think Gary Tonin reads? And there's one comment, y'all can go find it if you
2: <laughs> want. But they say,
0: Raph, that's more of a, a watching or a listening experience. And I go, What the fuck do you mean <laughs> a watching or no, bro? It's a movie, but it was a fucking book. Like, what the it fuck? It was a book. <laughs> anyway, so I guess that leads us to talking about the fact that after you do get the win you get those beautiful photos you get a great resiliency you're stuck in a hotel room which is why we're able to do this so we appreciate them for quarantining you but of course we're now at a weird (laughs) juncture because now you kind of get some time to kind of maybe end the year with a little bit of rest you made a good case for getting in for a championship bout and honestly man i think they got to be into that were they giving you any feedback once it was all said and done
2: Uh, I haven't heard anything, but I would say that just based off the way they were promoting the fight, it makes it feel like that's the direction that they're headed. Uh, Nobody came to me and said, like, yeah, you're definitely getting the title shot next. But, like, I don't know, man. I feel like it it would be kind of wrong for them to promote the fight that way and then not fucking give me the title shot. But then again, we've seen crazier things happen in MMA. It's not like that that's never happened before. So I wouldn't be surprised, uh, you know, too surprised if something else happened or they put another fight in front of me or whatever the case may be. And it is what it is, man. You know, I'm in here for the long haul. It's not like I'm going to like win the championship and disappear. So, um, uh, no problem, you know, whatever it is that they do, I, we're obviously going to keep fighting for the championship. Cause that's the best place to be in your career. And you know, that's what I want. That's where I want to be. Um, I think that that's probably where they're going to take this. I don't really see too many storylines, too many other storylines that they have better than what's going on for them right now. Mm. Um, and I, I, I think it'd be a poor decision on their part to do anything else, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And you know, I'll be here. I'll be ready to fight, but I agree with you, man. it will be nice to get a little bit of rest, but I will say this great to get back out there. Honestly, you know uh, I'd been begging for the title and this, that and the other thing, but it was great to get one more fight in before I got that title shot. I think, Uh, Just to kind of knock off, you know, a little bit of the ring rust, get back in there, really feel like what it was like. Uh, So, you know, all in all, I'm happy for the way that things turned out. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the future. I'm really excited for, you know, what's to come in uh, in 2021 at the end of this fucking cursed year. You know, so let's do this.
0: I do want to go ahead and just acknowledge something here, which is that, you know, I mentioned sometimes the difficulty between me hoping you have a nice night where you don't get your nose busted and me watching a fight and saying, you know what, I think it's kind of important to get one of those decisions. Uh, I think it's important for a fight career to kind of get that under your belt because those could become very important rounds that then resurface later in your fight career where you go, no, I've been here before and now I know... That This feels comfortable when you really need to be in those moments. So I I definitely remember gesturing to somebody at work and they're like, man, you seem pretty stoked that uh, he made it to the end of, uh, you know, a three round fight. And I said, it'll work for him later. Like, we're we're building blocks to the ultimate goal. So uh, in a very strange way, I remember seeing myself go, yes, after you made it to the third round, I just go, yeah. Though, obviously, I'm sure your nose probably feels a little differently than (laughs) I do.
2: Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, when I go in, they ask me a lot, you know, like, well, how do I see this fight? Or, like, how do I want this fight to end? And, like, yeah, I think in an ideal, perfect world, like, I'd go into every fight, take zero damage, and just submit the guy in the first couple minutes. Um, But there is something to be said for being in there, uh, fighting for the full three rounds, feeling what that's like, feeling a little bit of adversity, getting a knee to my fucking face uh you know and moving forward and and continuing to win the fight and and there's a certain sense of there's a certain sense of confidence that that builds for the future when i face adversity again um and that's always a factor like you know your past experiences and past struggles and things like that are uh, a big amount of what allows you to have confidence in the future and You know, for example, like maybe in the title fight, if maybe if I had won, you know, this fight really quickly by submission hold in the first round or something, like maybe I would have faced adversity in the title fight and not responded to it as well. And, you know, it's, it's really hard to say one way or the other, the way things work out. Um, But I, I do, I do like to believe that, you know, it will benefit me in the long run. And I obviously still won the fight. So like, I'm still very happy about that. Um, So I can't really, you know, I'm not going to have, you know, major complaints. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping to continue to try to like, go out there look for finishes and look to end fights. But, um, you know, again, like I told you, you know, first rule don't lose. So (laughs) (laughs) I didn't do that. I went out there, thought I had a pretty dominant performance, made sure that I won. And, uh, you know, I'm happy about it.
0: Well, that's good to know. All right. Let's sort of put that in our rear view and let's get a little bit of clarity here because, the hurt Death Squad invades Puerto Rico. At
2: what point I don't think that's how you pronounce it, Rap. How do
0: you how do you pronounce it, Gary Tonin? I'm just kidding. No, no, I would kidding, love Ralph. to hear it. It's your new home. So I would love to hear how you think it's supposed to be. I feel like pronounce. you
2: could I feel like you could I feel like you could roll the R's a little bit, Ralph.
0: No, see what I do is I do the version of like a telenovela <laughs> where I just go, Are you going to Puerto Rico right now? And yes, there's like that's a little Olay That's what I, that's that what I wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so when did that decision get made and how far back did you guys decide this was going to be the
2: next home and destination for the crew, man? That's the craziest part is this was, this happened so fast, bro. Um, all right. So first of all, you have to understand the long history of us wanting to leave New York city and just never fucking doing it. So like, man, we've probably wanted to leave as a whole, As far as a team at least the the members of the team maybe not john i don't know john seemed like he was interested but i don't know if he was really interested uh for for a meaningful period of time um we were thinking about moving to california for a bit and um there was a bunch of other places texas we considered and then this that the other thing we were looking in we were researching uh and it just never fucking happened so uh i just kind of lost hope and interest not interest, but like hope in doing so. Like, I just didn't really, I didn't really see much of a reason to continue to push the issue because it just, I was just kind of like, all right, well, John spent fucking three decades, you know, living in New York city and like that's where he's comfortable and that's what feels like home to him. Like we're not going anywhere. Like, I mean, wherever he goes, I'm following. So whatever, you know, no big deal. Like I'm not going to try to pressure any further cause it seems like uh, it's not going to happen. So you know, obviously all the COVID shit goes down. Uh, we have a little bit more trouble uh, training in our environment than we normally do. It's always been a little bit of a struggle because it's not, we don't have full autonomy, right? Like it's not our gym. So like right. we have to fit within the confines of, you know, whatever else is happening at the Hens of Gracie County, which is fine, you know, under normal circumstances anyway, that it's that, usually pretty reasonable to find time to do our professional training. And and we made that work over the years and in, and in many ways, like it was helpful, like obviously to have uh the other members of the academy, you know, coming in and training with us and this, that, and the other thing. But then as as COVID started to happen, it started to put a lot more stressors on our training environment. Uh it made the time slots that we had a little bit more difficult to come by. Um the members that were able to come in, you know, fewer and far between. um, It was it was a different and just the environment of New York City was worse than ever before. Um New York City at the bare minimum previously was this hub um, you know, and, and Hands Up Academy as well, you know, uh, not to say that it won't be in the future, but, uh, was a hub for, you know, a lot of different people coming into New York to train and, and, uh, have a good time and stuff like just, just the actual city, like, you know, people going in, you know, going to, uh, going to hang out, going to eat, doing all these things that normally people would do in a functioning society. And that all kind of broke down, uh, with COVID and obviously like New York city was super hard hit. So like at the same time, I'm not i'm not saying that i don't think things should have changed in some way in new york city you know because of how how badly you know things went down with the the virus uh but what i will say is that it sucks like (laughs) there's no denying that um it's i genuinely believe that the way things are going and the way things were continuing to go that new york city itself uh will continue to decline for a quite a while uh and longer than people realize i think that a, a chain of events has gotten set forward uh that will cascade it from being uh this huge center of commerce business etc that it used to be to not quite being as a desirable location as it used to be so uh, a couple different things that make you new york city i know this is a really long-winded answer to your question about Puerto Rico, by the way but whatever bear with me this is what you got when you signed up for for me being on the podcast um, but uh you know there's a couple things that make New York city a desirable place. Right? So I had mentioned business like, okay, so there's a lot of opportunity, right? Jobs, this, that, and the other thing. Well, that's dwindling, right? Like a lot of, a lot of things aren't able to open. Um, there's just clearly not as much business going on. People are afraid to be there. So if you're going to have a business conference or whatever it is that you're going to do with your business, you're not going to go, you're going to say, oh man, we'll do it somewhere else. Right? Why would we do it in New York city when it feels more dangerous to be there than anywhere else? Okay. So from a business side of things, Things are slowing down, shutting down, et cetera. And on top of that, uh, people are being more and more encouraged to uh, work remotely, right? So part of your reason to be in the city in the first place was, hey, I'm closer to my work. I'm able to go you know, work at this place or that place or whatever the case may be. And I'm able to do these things that would be like more difficult. Maybe I don't have to have a car and I can travel within the city and do you know, whatever. And that makes things easier for me in my life. Well, now that you can work remotely, what's your incentive to do that? Um, well, you might say, oh, well, there's still the New York City, uh, you know, community and, and nightlife and that sort of thing. Like there's a lot of, there's it's a hub of people that are going out together and having a good time. Well, all of that's shut down and all of that is dwindling, right? So now it's no longer a center of, it's no longer a place where a lot of people are getting together, uh, having a good time and enjoying themselves recreationally either. So now you've taken two of the big major reasons why you would want to be in a city location like that in the first place and thrown them out the window it starts to make you wonder well why would i want to live in new york city at all like why would i want to be there uh and then the final one which is just in general travel so like i had mentioned it being a place where people would like to visit well now nobody wants to visit period for tourism because they're terrified right so you have these three things that would make you know, normally make New York city. Oh, everybody wants to see it. They're, they're coming for tourism. Everybody wants to work there. They want opportunity. Everybody wants to have a good time and party. They want to be there for recreation. All three of those things are dying. Right. And what it's, and what it's just replaced with is just nothing. It's like a very dead, a uh, very dead environment. And it's like a very sad thing. And it's a very, it makes, it makes the city feel very empty and, and all the bad things, that had existed in New York city to begin with, if anything or worse and all the good, most of the good things are gone. So that environment uh, on top of, you know, obviously that's all untraining related not mostly right. But that environment on top of, you know, the issues that, you know, you're having with our training environment and things like that. Like, I think we're a major push uh, in the direction of, Hey, like maybe we should figure out somewhere else to be. Um, this is not, you know, a, going to be a productive training environment for the near future. Um, and it's like a really sad thing, you know, for New York city, like all those things that I mentioned and, and, and that sucks. And again, like I understand that, you know, certain things had to be done, but that is what it is. Um, but anyway, having said all that, I think maybe that's what made the difference in the, in us actually moving this time. Okay. Now, as far as how far ahead of time, like I knew any information, honestly, I think the earliest I even heard whispers of Hey, we might be interested in moving period like like again, like that you know us talking about actually doing it again was maybe a couple months ago, two and a half months ago at tops, right, so this isn't like this is like a really long thought out like detailed <laughs> plan here um. We did do due diligence and we looked into what we were doing, but at the same time, like it was pretty rushed. Um, I think, um, the mention of Puerto Rico, I think happened fairly quickly after Gordon and a couple of the other guys had gotten back from a training camp out with Mo, uh, Jasmine, one of the, uh, coordinators for ADCC. Um, and, uh, I think that he's helped kind of facilitate, uh, the idea of us moving to that area um so that's what kind of made puerto rico stick out as a place that we could potentially go but we were still considering other places texas and i think there were a couple other other spots as well maybe florida or something but um you know that were a little bit more open and seemed like it was there was a little bit more promise of being able to continue to function as a training environment um and it all started to happen pretty quick. Like, you know, Gordon was like, yeah, I'm going to be selling my house and this, that, and the other thing. And once things like that started to happen, I was like, all right, well, I guess, I guess we're really going. And <laughs> cause I really wasn't sure. I kind of like, I didn't even really tell anybody in my life that that was happening because uh, for a while, because man, the last thing I wanted to do was tell everybody, Hey, we're getting, we're, we're getting going to Puerto Rico. And like not actually go. I mean, like what a, Stressful thing that would be for everyone to have to deal with on top of me, right? So I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna sit on this a little bit until it feels more real, right? Um, and then when it started to, I started mentioning it to closer people in my life and you know, family members, friends, my school, uh, my instructors, you know, uh, all of those people. I eventually had to like let them know, you know, kind of what was going on, and and I, honestly, I still feel as though, like I had mentioned to you, because of how quickly this all happened, that we're in a very much a state of an experiment. Like this is us giving this a try and, uh, will it work? Will it not? Is it going to be a great thing? Is it going to be just a good, I don't know. You know, I have no idea. I have literally never been to Puerto Rico before. And I think many of the squad has never been there either. You know? So if you ask me where I, I signed at least to an apartment, if you ask me where that apartment is right now, I could not give you an address. I don't know. I have, I have no idea. I have literally no clue. Like that's the level of prepared that I am in my life for, for this change in this move. Uh, maybe the other guys put a little bit more into it. Dude, I had a fight coming up. Like I was like, okay, like I'm going. Like there's my – my team is going, so I'm going. But like I was like – I just did the bare minimum that I needed to do to make sure that that was going to happen. I packed up some stuff. I called a moving company, had them wrap up some shit in my apartment, put it on – you know, in Gordon's like storage unit barge thing that you fucking send over to Puerto Rico. And I was like, all right, see you later. And that's what we're going to do. Like, you know, so we're going to see what's going to happen, man. Uh, It's an exciting time. I've always wanted to, as a person, just as a human being, I've always wanted to not just stay in one place. As far as my living is concerned Mm -hmm. for my entire life, I've always wanted to at least have one or two experiences living somewhere else and feeling what that was like before, you know, the end of my life, you know, I just felt like that's, that's kind of something that, uh, like just good for the human soul maybe, or may, at least my soul, you know, I just think it, I don't know. There's something about just getting stuck in the same place, even though I travel so much and go so many different places that feels like, uh, like almost life is unlived to a certain degree. Um, or like there's certain experiences that weren't experienced. So especially the fact that we're kind of going to a completely different place, um, you know, that's outside the contiguous United States. Um, I think that, uh, it's going to be a really, from, from that perspective, from that thing that I, you know, that void that I kind of wanted filled and like experiencing living in a different place, uh, that will be filled and that'll be cool. But there's so many question marks, so many things that I don't know. Uh, so many, uh, things that I just, I really can't be sure about with this experience that, that, uh, I'm just hoping for the best and like, you know, I'm excited, but also super anxious at the same time.
0: Understandable. And I'll say this, you know, I still believe, uh, what is this, maybe when I started in speech and I was competing in that and I got this opportunity to go compete for a major speech team in Illinois, it was me and four of my friends. We went and changed our lives. And in some ways it challenged them and not everybody was able to stay and some people came and some people left and you had new people coming in and out. So... I can tell you this, though, not only did it change my life, but it changed my life for the better to be in a new environment to kind of get out of the things that I knew and, you know, met my wife out there. I met a whole bunch of great friends and you always have the ability to come back home or do what it is you want to do. It's just intriguing that uh, your explanation and I appreciate the full discussion of it, but it is a nice contrast. To our good friend, Gordon Ryan, putting up and being like, well, you know, I want to point this out real quick, which is that uh, New York's a shithole, and uh, it's becoming a terrible place to live, but uh, I'm tired of the politicians ruining my life, so I'm going to move to Puerto Rico. And I was like, um, real quick on that, um, learn a little Puerto Rico politics, and you know what? I'm not going to spoil it for you. You know, just enjoy yourself. I think the belabored point that you guys are pointing out is... Even though certain people can maybe work remotely, in your field, you cannot. And there does need to be a little mm-hmm. bit of leniency in terms of you guys just wanting to be left the fuck alone. And I think mm-hmm. that despite wherever people may feel on this matter, you guys are professionals at this sport. And it really is vital to your livelihoods to have a place where you can just train and concentrate on that. And for your personal lives, maybe experience something entirely different. So I know there are a lot of people who uh, feel a certain way or who have mentioned certain things, but I hope it brings you guys much success and a different experience. I would ask, though, unlike the other jackholes, you have a particular different anchor, though. What was it like telling your academy and what exactly is going to become of that next
2: sure so it was a really tough thing i mean obviously my academy has been through a lot recently like um you know forgetting this like let's talk about like just the covid situation for a minute like uh my academy had to deal with uh getting shut down and completely closed because uh we were subletting from someone and that guy uh went out of business so and the the owner of the building wasn't interested in having us take on the, the location so we got completely shut down around uh i didn't think the beginning of april Um, and it didn't seem like it made financial sense, um, or otherwise really for me to reopen another school because the government was pretty much, uh, keeping everything shut down. I think there was a a few different provisions like professional athletes were allowed to train in things that were, that kind of created a gray area where maybe you could operate. And I know a couple of my friends were doing that with their schools, but let me put it to you this way. This is the easiest way that I, that I put it to people is if you had just saved up, you know, $50,000 or whatever, you know, you saved up to open a school depending upon the size, would you have opened it right after, you know, COVID lockdown started? Probably fucking not. Like, I don't, I think you'd be an idiot if you did that. Like what, under what circumstances would that make sense to you to make a financial commitment like that during a period of time where everything was so uncertain and you had no idea what was going to happen next. Um, and that's one of the major problems moving forward that we're going to have as a, as a whole. You know, I think sometimes when we examine, like, not to get too crazy into politics here, but I think sometimes when we examine snapshots of, of you know, things like the economy, quote unquote, um, we're doing exactly that. We only see the now, Right uh i i think the bigger picture like one of the bigger picture problems that's going to occur in the near future is kind of that that confidence problem that i was talking about like let's say for example like back to the new york example that i was giving you before that all of a sudden everything let's say all the restrictions were lifted right and like everything was 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 back to normal quote unquote i guess like at least by government standards like people would still because of everything that's been going on people would still be terrified right? There's like a, a certain contingent of people that just wouldn't go to New York City anymore. So there's still like effects of that, right? So the same thing happens in business where like, hey dude, like I lost tens of thousands of dollars in investment uh, in my school. Like I had just opened a brand new location before it closed. I was in no hurry to make another financial investment in another school just to find out like, hey, we're going to lock down again or like Hey, you can't open. We're gonna, uh, but you still got to pay us rent or whatever the case may be. So, man, one of the long-term implications of what's going on right now is going to be people that would normally have opened their own businesses and taken a risk and 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 you know, uh, and it sounds like, oh yeah, well, whatever, you know, people are just going to open their own business. But that leads to other things, like you know, people have employees and give people job opportunities, and so all of those things that would normally be happening, you know, are probably not going to happen because who who is going to part ways and take that financial risk knowing full well that they have no idea what's going to happen in our future uh, because literally at any given moment, there's, there's been no, there's been no uh, natural, I guess natural is not the right word, but there's been no consistent progression of protocol throughout this whole process. It's, it's all completely relatively random. Like nobody's ever given us mile markers. Nobody said, Hey, if we stay under this X number of cases or X number of deaths, or whatever the or X number of hospitalizations, we can remain open. Nobody's ever said that. It's all completely, oh yeah, numbers are rising. Well, so you know, deaths down, but you know, now now cases are rising. So now we're gonna increase restrictions, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. So at any given point in time, you can change the mile markers, you can change what your guidelines are, whatever the case may be, and decide you're gonna shut businesses down again. So for somebody like me, opening a jiu-jitsu school, especially, because obviously that's at one of the one of the more high-risk groups. Of businesses uh as far as being able to be shut down and things like that uh um, you know you're in one of those groups with the gyms and and you know close contact environments where it's it's you're the most likely to get shut down first right um man there's there's there was just no confidence that I could have that that was a good idea for me and uh it took me a long time, i think until when did we open maybe uh, October September something like that it took me till about that time uh to find someone uh and it was the UFC gym uh or in North Brunswick the guys that worked there to find someone that was willing to set up some sort of a situation where hey if we get shut down you're not going to be responsible for paying us so whatever investment you're going to make is is relatively safe like you're not going to be on the hook for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars also they had some mats that we could use. So I didn't have to like, you know, do a lot of construction or anything like that. It's like, we could just jump right in there. We could start training, have my gym. So I was like, man, this is kind of for right now in this current day and age, this is the only thing that makes sense. Like, this is the only thing that can work. Now, financially, it didn't make as much sense, you know, uh, if this, if we were under normal times, cause I have to pay the UFC gym a considerable amount more money than I would have to, if I was just paying rent somewhere and it's not my own place and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, but it's what makes the most sense liability wise right now, because there's so much risk in the business market right now that, uh, that restarting under any other circumstances than the way that we restarted, I just couldn't do it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. And maybe some people are out there taking that risk and God bless them. Like, I really hope that things work out and I really hope they're able to keep their gyms open. I really hope students keep coming in. I mean, that's another thing too, man. It's like, okay. Like I reopened my gym. I had maybe 140 students, 150 students or something uh, before uh, pre-COVID, right. And when I reopened, it, and I expected this, it's not like this is a fucking.' It's not, it's not like it's a huge surprise. but uh, you know when I reopened, like maybe within the first month, we were up to like 70 students or something, right. So that's halved, you know uh, and, that's, and that's a pretty big gym. I mean there's some places that are much smaller than that. Um, and that's that's super hard, man. Especially when your your business is is set and to 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 function at a certain you know a certain number, and you have a certain amount of income coming in, and having to make those recalibrations and readjustments and everything. Like, there's so much that goes into that. Especially considering I also fucking fight professionally. I'm not exactly um, you know I don't have an MBA. You know, like <laughs> you know I'm doing all this the best that I can. Uh, I obviously have people that work for me and people giving me advice and things like that, but um, it's not like I'm a I'm an expert, you know. I'm just somebody that's in the field, fucking trying to do it. And uh, it, it was just so hard, man. That whole thing. So I was so glad, you know. Even even in in like starting to to try to put that gym together and stuff. That was when I had first started hearing whispers of the team thinking about going to Puerto Rico and stuff. Man, regardless of what was going to happen there, because I wasn't sure. I was like, man, my my people, like my students, need a place to train, regardless of whether or not I'm going to have to go to Puerto Rico not you know have to is a strong word like obviously there's certain things that make me want to go there too uh i don't want to make it sound like oh man you're have to go to puerto rico man but uh uh even if i had to do that like i wanted these people to have the the family and the team that they had before and have an ability to to train i know that they were you know basically dispersed didn't really have a home they had i told them all i was like listen you know because everybody's a little different with cross training and stuff like that i was like listen guys wherever you can find to train right now. I don't care if it's at a quote unquote enemy gym or, you know, whatever it is, fucking train, dude. You know, I don't care, you know, go your friend's garage, do what you need to do. If that's what you want to do to train. And uh, when we finally got things back together, they had a home and they have their team. And, and that was so important to me. And like to have to leave that after, after starting it back up and everything like really start really sucks. Like on some level, like it's super sad. I have a lot of really deep relationships with all of those people. And this has been something that I've been doing for fuck. It's probably been almost a decade now. Not quite. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, not quite. i probably a little short of that. Like maybe eight years I've been re- like actually running my own school and, uh, and it's a, it's a really hard thing, man. It's, it's, uh, it's tough, but one in the same, one of the cool things about this is that sometimes when you're in an environment where, uh, where you're the leader, and uh, you're a, a particular type of leader who is who does a lot like me like i'm very involved like from the be- from the beginning of my school i was teaching almost you know 7 days a week every single class as i j- started doing mma was probably the first time that i started not doing that and i started coming in maybe 6 5 days a week and teaching one class a day and it, it started to my responsibility started to back off a little bit um one thing that i'll say that is well be beneficial as a whole is people will have more responsibilities that didn't have responsibilities before. And one of the cool things about that is people rise to the occasion, you know, and people that, that weren't able to show maybe some of their, their great, uh, qualities and some of their charisma and some of the things that they, they were able to, to, to do and and some of the skills that they had before, because I was in control of almost everything will now be able to get to shine and have that new responsibility, learn how to teach, learn how to run our jujitsu program. And, and man, that's kind of like part of what all this is about is, is, is handing down this knowledge and information so that, you know, somebody else can be helped by and somebody else can have a new opportunity. And that's, that's what I have in in my team. And I'm really happy that, um, I, I, and I'm really, I'm feeling very confident that they're going to be able to do that, uh, with my school and my, uh, my head instructor, my new head instructor, Chris Sadburnal, has been a, a guy that's been you know super great for me over the years. Super loyal dude, really technical jujitsu. Comes to train with us at Henzo's, like knows the you know that knows our system backwards and forwards, and it's just a and just a really good you know good-hearted person. Um, I can't really think of anybody better you know to put uh, at the at the forefront of my gym, and uh, you know I'm really happy that he has the opportunity to shine now. Um, he's going to have new responsibilities and it, it's going to become something where he, he gets to show, you know, what he's made of and, and show his new skills and things like that, that maybe like he wouldn't have been able to, to show like, had it just been for me. So man, it's a, it's a hard thing, uh, you know, to answer the question and it's a, it's tough. And, and I will, I will always be a, P, uh, a part of that place. Like I will always come back there on some level. Like I plan to at the bare minimum for right now, my goal is to be there at least once a month you know, uh, not necessarily a day per month, but I mean like one trip per month, I'll come back, you know, from Puerto Rico to visit and, and teach the students and, you know, go over things with my instructors and probably visit family and things like that. Um, so I'll still be a piece of the school, but he's going to be the, you know, Chris Seibernal is going to be the, uh, the leader now, as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, I have a couple other affiliate academies that are, uh, that are kicking off, which is kind of cool. Um, uh, there's a guy out in, uh, his name's Al Bruce, um, who run, uh, one of my purple belts, who's running a school out in Atlantic city, uh, called Harbor Jiu Jitsu. Um, and he's actually been running for a little over a year now, uh, managed to survive the pandemic and everything. Um, and they're doing really well. Um, he actually had something really crazy happen to him recently. Um, he just something worth talking about, I guess. Um, he fucking had a stroke, um, and like had like some problems. Uh, I think he had like a small hole in his heart and like something in his lung that they had to get removed. And he's he's like a really young, healthy dude, like really in shape and like super tough, like always been one of my toughest training partners. And it's just one of those things, man, like we're just fucking imperfect, like delicate fucking people, you know, human beings. And, And man, it was such a scary thing. I remember he messaged us telling us he had like a minor stroke. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Cause that's how my, you know, that's basically, it's not how my grandma died, but that's how, you know, it kind of like led her to death, right? Um so like that was like a super scary thing for me to hear um and now he's back on his feet he got the surgeries that he needed to and they say he's going to you know he should basically be 100% now um so I I've I've been super proud of him and and everything that he's done um Damian Anderson opened a school called All In Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and uh, he's actually coming to Puerto Rico with us uh, but he handed that down to one of my other uh, you know really uh, great students uh, another brown belt named Andrew Vidal um so he's going to be running that program uh, and I believe that's up uh, I'm trying to remember, I believe it's Middlesex is the name of the, of the city. Uh, it's up in Middlesex and, uh, you know, I'm excited for him. You know, he's going to start, you know, for the first time kind of running his own thing. So again, like all these guys, it's like, you know, gaining, um, you know, new responsibilities and, um, it, it's such a, such a cool thing. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the, the last school, uh, cause Mike just started it up. My buddy, Mike Rakshan, um, I'll remember it in, in a minute. Uh, I don't remember the exact name of the school, but uh, you know he's going to be coming uh, underneath my banner as well. I'm putting out a, a website. I'm actually rebranding the entire school, by the way, Brunswick like BJJ. This is probably something I should have mentioned to you before, Rob. Rob's like, do you have anything to promote? And I'm like, uh, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I, you know,
0: I, I just always try Apparently to do my, my due diligence. And I'm always like, Gary, yeah, yeah. you know, what do I need to mention? What are some things that you like to bring up? Because I like to be prepared. <laughs> I'm the kid in school who always yeah. comes with an outline and is like, well, we're going to do this, this, this. You're the dummy that shows up at the last minute and goes, yeah, we're gonna we're going to crush this. No big deal. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, now that I think about it, I've got
2: 45 academies.
0: <laughs> I forgot all of them. Yes. But,
2: oh yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. I got I got a lot of I got a lot of stuff going on. Um but uh, uh oh Immortals Jiu Jitsu is the name of my buddy Mike Rakshens spot that he's he opened up. Beautiful stalling uh, tactic. tactic place, I gave you a little bit of time I think there. Thank you. You're I welcome. appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. I was hoping it was gonna come to me. You know, the problem was is that his logo is the same logo that he used for one of his t-shirts which is uh, the Sultan of Strangles. So it's like the Sultan strangling a dude, but it's the same logo for his academy. So all I could think of was Sultan of Strangles. I couldn't think of his actual name of his academy. So, but anyway, Immortals Jiu-Jitsu, which is, yeah, that's kind of cool name. But uh, he, I think they're, they're in North Jersey, but I can't quite remember exactly the name of the city that they're in. Um, but a little bit, I guess, a little bit North of New York City in Jersey. Um, you know, they're, they're out in that area. So now again, look him up, you know, if you're in North Jersey, uh, you know, it will be a great place to train. He's just getting started out. Uh, again, another really tough training partner of mine. I gave him his purple belt. Um, you know, he's, he's always putting himself on the line, competing in different things. His buddy, Sean, who opened the gym with him, uh, just won uh, purple belt, uh, I believe was it, was it pans that had just happened? No, gee pans or something, or let's just say, I mean, American did you keep, are you following Nationals? that?
0: uh there's also you know, well, and i think
2: games. no because the nationals just happened it was before that one oh before i that think it one. might have been nogi pans
0: bro i don't know it this is the weirdest but either way for all things IBJJF i jf think... where they're like this week's pans <laughs> next week's worlds and after that we're gonna put <laughs> masters at the same time and i go
2: yeah. what the fuck dude okay i see what you're saying uh i believe it's pans so he won nogi pans at purple belt super tough guy too sean nice. i'm not as familiar with him but he's he's a good dude um, he's running that school with, with Mike. And uh, so, yeah, man, things are growing. And then, sorry, the the main thing that I was going to say, too, is the the gym is being rebranded uh, under Gary Tonin Jiu-Jitsu as opposed to Brunswick BJJ. Uh, I've put this off for the longest time because I was such a major part I- of the gym uh, that I really wanted the gym itself to have its own identity and the students to feel like it was their place. And from a promotional standpoint, I'm a retard. And that was stupid. And I absolutely got less business because of that. Um, and the gym got less business because of that. But I was okay with it because I just felt like it was like a good thing for the school. And we're at, a, we're at a point now where I need to pull out all the stops. I need to make sure that you know the gym is as financially successful as it could possibly be. And to not brand it with my name, I think at this point is silly. Uh, obviously, all of the guys, despite the fact that I'm moving to Puerto Rico and I'm not going to be there as often, all of the guys that train there have trained under me for at least you know, well, at least the older students and stuff like that. Been almost a decade now. Like I said, like eight years and stuff, you know. Um, so these guys are well versed in the things that I teach and the things that I go over and, you know, it is still very much a piece of me. So Gary Tonin Jiu Jitsu will be the name of, of my uh will be the name of my association as well as the name of my school. And uh, I guess I'll probably be you know the Gary Tonin Jiu Jitsu Association and then my school will be Gary Tonin Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, I'll be posting about it soon on have the website up and everything like that we just created. And uh, again, you know, uh, I still want them to feel like they have their own identity, but to not add the promotional power of everything that I've done in my professional career uh, behind that school, I think is, it's detrimental to them. And I I want them to be as successful as possible. I want them to have the best shot that they possibly can at having, having the biggest school that they can. And and hopefully that continues to drive in clients and, and, uh, you know, make it a little bit more of a well-known academy because I don't. I think as far as Brunswick Jiu-Jitsu was concerned, you kind of had to show up to realize that I was teaching there five days a week. And people probably had no idea. Because it did take me a while.
0: Normally, whenever we do the signposting for you, I'd be like, what's the name of your gym? And you're like, Brunswick uh, BJJ. And I was like, is it out of a bowling alley? Like, what the fuck is Brunswick all about? But, you know, <laughs> I don't <laughs> pretend to know any part about it. But and again, sure. you know, you're a Jersey kid. So, you know, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, hey, guys, we're behind a bowling alley. And then once we hit COVID, I go, that really is what <laughs> jujitsu was turning into now. So it is hard to say where mm-hmm. these things go. Here's what I would tell you. First and foremost, I didn't know Chris was going to inherit the chocolate factory. And I think you couldn't have picked a better guy. <laughs> that kid is- He's a monster, and I think those students will be well-served under him. So congrats to him, and I look forward to seeing what he does there. And I would say if anybody has really spent time with you, I think they have to understand, and we've talked about this before over the years, but it is if you truly want the guy at the top of the food chain to succeed and be set for success, you have to be okay with saying, like, man, this might suck for my training, but... Luckily, I'm going to have a family and a system that he built in there. But at this juncture in your time, there is a little bit of selfishness that has to go into, Nah, dude, you're still current. You need to go with that squad, that team that has brought you to the dance, and that clearly has shown some success with you. And that is a weapon that is an asset for you. And obviously, your success is their success. So I know it is tough for all parties involved, but there is a huge upside for you to continue working with this team um so clearly I know as tough as it may be for them it is only for the betterment of continuing uh something that you're going to continue to build in real time.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. And it'll be an exciting time too. I think all the guys, one of the things about us moving out to Puerto Rico, it's a little different about being in uh New York City uh is the money-making opportunities for certain junior members and stuff like that of the team are probably going to be a little bit difficult. Right, uh, I'm sure they'll be able to teach privates and things like that. Um, but I'm sure guys will pre- be trying to teach seminars and things. So I'll be able to get those guys to come back to the states, go back to Brunswick, or well, what will now be Gary <laughs> Tone Jiu Jitsu, and I'll have to get used to saying that. And uh, you know, they'll they'll come in and, be, and teach some seminars and stuff, and be able to spread some of the stuff that we're working on the same way that I will when I come back. So it'll be kind of a cool experience there. I think uh, getting a lot of uh, of these competitive guys to come down there and, and share their knowledge and stuff too. So. I don't, again, like I said, as even though in certain ways, like it's, I'm sure it's sad, like you just said, you know, for the team and, and things like that, uh, there's, there's going to be a lot of good, I think that comes out of this and a lot of, of cool opportunities that, that weren't there previously. Um, so it'll be interesting, an interesting thing to see, you know, where this, this adventure takes us and where this adventure takes my, my academy and, and my association and everything like that. It's, it's a, it's a really cool time in life. Uh, even though there's a lot of question marks, a lot of anxiety, like, it seems like there's a hell of a lot of opportunity
0: too. So. Well, you know, obviously it's pretty cool. And I think you mentioned something that kind of resonates with me a little bit, which is, you know, one of my good friends, he closed down a gym and he was somebody I heavily leaned upon for my personal game in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And when he closed down his gym, I remembered looking at him and being like, well, what do I do now? You know, like, fuck you, dude. I yeah. need you. I don't know how to do this. And then I just remember yeah, having hard. the the realization of like, no, I know enough. And it's my ownership, and I, I have to, you know, it's if it's gonna be my game. It's got to be stuff that I put together, and as a result, that made me way more uh, prone to teaching my friends and paying it forward and doing all that sort of stuff. So, uh, as tough as sure. it can be, sometimes pushing out the uh, the little nest there and going to fly is, uh, you know, it's it's gonna be uh, very beneficial to that that crew and team, and I'm sure they'll do it in more than capable hands. Gary, I got to tell you, man, we've kept you a little bit longer than I promised you to keep it too, but I know that you've got nowhere else to go. And honestly, this is kind of a rescue mission for you personally. I figured if I didn't do this intervention, you'd probably be going nuts in this very, very um, nice, but probably insane driving isolation
2: right now. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate the time. And, uh, you know, it's cool. It's always cool talking to you um and uh you know it's great catching up um i wish that that you cared enough about me to talk to me outside of just oh, when i have God. a fight obviously Fuck it's off. the only time you give a shit But no. <laughs> <Boy>. <laughs> <laughs> gary's trying to play you know what, I, this is how you can tell i actually care about
0: you you got Need <laughs> in the nose, and you ask me to send you a reminder, which I have no problem doing. I tend to do that for my kids. <laughs> and then you're like, "I did get kneed in the nose," and it was like, "I don't have the world's tiniest violin <laughs> gift to send you, Gary Tonin." And <laughs> I see people who sometimes see our interactions, even from my friends and my close connect circle. And yes, it's like, yes. How do you talk this way to him? And I go one, he takes it. Two, he's got a decent sense of humor. And three, uh-huh. like clearly, we have fun doing it. So y'all sure, need to sure. get on board, or you know, <laughs> like not like
2: they definitely don't. They definitely don't get it though. You're 100 right. Like every time you make a joke or like a meme or whatever the case may be, people like they stand up for me. Like you're really trying to fucking attack. They have no idea, you know.
0: Well, I think they don't understand that the <laughs> passing interest I have in really insulting you is like, again, it was 20 <laughs> minutes of my job. And, and credit to me on this. I put that meme together in 20 minutes of you. And I'm like, normally I like to like perfectionist, but I literally was like, yo, dude, I've got only 20 minutes and this is going to come out the way it's going to come out. And once I was done, I was like, I'm not even going <laughs> to proof it. It's just going out there. And it's going. <laughs> here's the beautiful part. The people who watched your promo after I go, watch this promo and they look at it and they go, uh-huh. they don't know who you are. They just look at it and they go, Okay. He's one of those. And I go, right. But now look at what I did. And the people at my job looked (laughs) at me and they go, yeah, that, that bangs. I, I, you need to put that up immediately. (laughs) And I like the fact that people at my job took time out of their work to go, let me see. Yeah, no, that's funny. No, it's good. I like, I like what you did there. It's a good edit. It really, it really syncs up nicely. And I go, there's nothing I love more than talking about comedy. So great. This is not going to make me feel like not posting it. Anyway, Gary, I obviously appreciate you. I'm glad you got your win. I really hope we get to see you. you get your title shot. I think that seems to be the next progression. But, you know, 2020 was cray. Who knows what 2021 brings? Hopefully better times and even more exciting things to come. Yeah, over in the we Puerto hope. Rico. So we'll sign off now, we'll put a bookmark in, but we'll definitely be checking back in with you a little bit later, sir. Yep. Thanks, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, Gary Tone. And by the way, you dummies, don't forget, you want to go check out his latest DVD called Unifying the System. Uh, It is a nice way of, oh, shit, I guess we're not on sale anymore. I could have gotten you guys 50% off that shit, but that's done now. Womp womp. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess we're just going to have to deal with you guys paying full price with it at this point. Anyway, uh, my thanks to you guys for tuning in. My name is Rafa Sparza. It's been a great day for grappling. We'll see you back on the mats. Eventually.